You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you because we're still celebrating episode 100. Yay! As you probably noticed when you downloaded the episode, this is a bonus episode. It is a bonus on episode 100 because there were people that we wanted to have on that for various reasons couldn't get on the episode. So today I talk with Ryan Guthrie, who's been our biggest contributor. I talk with Rachel Alexander, who was there with us in episode one, and I also talk with my wife, who, even though she hasn't been on the show as much as some of the other people that we've had on with episode 100, she has been a support to me and one of the reasons why I can do this podcast. So basically, we're still talking with people about 100 episodes of the 42 cast. We're still kind of hyped up with the, uh, the sort of the spirit of the thing. The other thing that I wanted to mention is I have hurt my back in some way, and I don't know what happened. I got up one day from the couch, and suddenly I just felt wrong. And now I am in a position where I am in extreme pain whenever I sit. I often am in pain when I stand. Uh, Laying down is the only time, uh, and even then it's under certain conditions. But laying down is the only time when I experience any relief from pain. So it is going to be a little difficult getting new episodes out. Now, I put a caveat on that too. What I mean is, I'm probably not going to be recording much more content other than this intro right here. We still have the backlog, we're still working on that, Ben's still helping me with that, and I've gotten things set up where I can use a laptop to remote into my desktop computer that has all the podcast files and sort of remotely control the computer, and so I can also do editing as well. But I'm also taking a lot of meds (laughs) to relieve pain, which make me very drowsy, so times are not great right now is what I'm trying to say. It's part of the reason why episode 100 was delayed as much as it was is sort of dealing with this. I had just already recorded the intro to episode 100 before this happened, so that's why I didn't kind of explain all of this in that episode. But uh, but yeah, so hopefully um, I'm going to see the doctor again on Tuesday from when I record this, which is about a week from when I record this. Hopefully then I will get an MRI, which is what I need before we can really proceed to any next steps, but the doctors always want to try with like pain relievers and muscle relaxers and anti-inflammatories first before they do anything that's like really helpful. So uh, none of that's helping me. (laughs) I know that already. Uh, The pain's actually getting a little bit worse. So that's not, I'm pretty sure we're going to go for the MRI route and hopefully then I can get some real treatment that will actually help. But uh, yeah, I'd want, I don't want to end this on a down note. Uh, Still excited about episode 100. Still so happy that all of you have stuck with us and that the show just keeps getting bigger and bigger and we're producing new content that everybody likes. And yeah, just uh, give us your feedback, all that kind of stuff. 
probably say that again on the outro, but here's looking forward to a hundred more episodes. And with that, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we'll get into me talking with the other people that I mentioned before. Great things are coming on the Nerd Bliss Podcast. We're changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes, you will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right. You've got the Zoom Pro account and we're going to use it. So be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com and on all the socials at nerdblisspod. Nerdbliss. Listen up. And with us right now is another person that you might remember from our first episode, and he's been on many, many episodes since, and that is the man that you love to hate, Neil deGrasse Tyson's best bud, the guy who hates Pluto, Ryan Guthrie. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? Well, you know, it's we're, we're recording this at a time of new resolutions and new leafs that should be made and everything, so I'm going to give Pluto a chance to do right what he did wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm offering uh, that hand is outreached, and now it's up to you, Pluto. Now it's up to you not to not to to be the better plan the be- better planetoid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see what comes yeah. of this. We'll yeah, see exactly. what Pluto's response I, is. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, I expect it's going to take a couple of years for by the time this broadcasting gets to Pluto and gets back. You know, it's. We, you'll be, we'll, we'll be recording the 500th episode. <laughs> uh, it just takes hours to get to Pluto. It's not like we're going to another star or anything. Like uh, I think it's, what, like a three-hour delay to Pluto or something I have like honestly that? no idea how long it would take like, a radio signal to get to Pluto. From I mean, I guess I, if only there was some means of a vast interconnected array of technology and information right. that I could figure that out with. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, it's in the hours range. I know that much. It's not like- in the years range. Well, what is it? It's like it's like eight minutes for Mars, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I could say, I okay, all right, all right, yeah, I could buy that. It would be like maybe a couple of days tops, something mm-hmm. like that. But you know, might also depend where Pluto is in, in relation to Earth at any given time. That could well, be- that's true too. But yeah, no, but it's definitely not in the years. Even when they're at their furthest, I don't believe it's in the years range. It's more in the it's, it's more hours or days than than it is years so yeah. Well, yeah but yeah no i mean yeah by the time the signal gets to alpha centauri that's a totally <laughs> different <laughs> but, yeah. and you've, you've got listeners all you've got intergalactic or at least inter uh, celestial you know listeners everywhere you know I mean? although it is funny that we talk about alpha centauri because it's four light years from earth and we have been doing this for four years there you go. Yeah, so the light from our star that was shining when we first started the podcast is now reaching Alpha Centauri. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about your internet, but mine does not travel at light speed, okay? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, electromagnetic radiation, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, you know, there you go. It's, it's not guided, really... you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Broadcasts out into the ether. 
I feel like there's a 5G joke I could make here, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, so Ryan, like the question I've been asking people, and I know I totally didn't prepare you for this at all, but that's fair because no one else was prepared, (laughs) uh, (laughs) is what do you think is like the greatest pop cultural development in the last four years? Ooh. The greatest pop cultural development in the last four four years i mean like i see like i need to compile a list because like (sighs) go with your gut because there's no way you're going to compile a list while we're doing this i I know i know it's not like you know yeah we're not gonna like you know like hold this against you later like with the five questions (laughs) um you know i'm I'm gonna honestly say I, i feel like ultimately i don't know that it's that way yet but i feel like ultimately disney plus Mm. Uh, it's going to be a game changer because it's it's disney is so monolithic you know between like mandalorian and the mcu and everything that if it wants to change its format to like tv shows basically like look, look that's what's happening with star wars right where we got mm-hmm. like fourteen thousand new star wars shows and the mcu's focus is clearly while still at, on movies you can still see that they're pushing they're moving very much in that direction as well. So I'm going to say that even though it's in its infancy, that Disney Plus and, and is probably going to be the biggest cultural change of the past uh, four years. Yeah, they do seem determined that by 2022, every calendar day will have a new series dropping. Yeah. So yeah. It's just about, yeah I mean, <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're using the week by week format instead of dropping mm-hmm. everything at once. So it's, I think it's going to be so that way. You, yeah, literally, you will have to have a annual subscription. You'll, you will have to log into Disney Plus pretty much every single day. Let's be honest. Is there any fan out there who, assuming every fan has multiple fandoms, mm-hmm. every fan is going to have something that is Disney? Maybe you don't like Star Wars, but you love Marvel. Maybe you don't like Marvel, but you love the Muppets. Maybe you don't like the Muppets, but you know you love Disney princesses or whatever. I mean, or, or aliens or Simpsons or what? I still see the odd complaint about Disney being too like you know, like the people who are really really into the Snyder vision of DC oh, still yeah. talk about Disney as being like too kid friendly and stuff like that. And I can see some of them sort of eschewing Disney. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in general, I think you're right. and that's what Disney's going for. Disney's going for mass appeal. They're not oh, going. Yeah. They they know there's going to be a few niche people who are just like I'm too cool for Disney. And I, I think there's definitely a market for that. I think there's definitely uh, um, like the, the the dark. I, I don't know about necessarily. I, okay, so it, <laughs> maybe that's been the biggest cultural thing of the past four years is <laughs> Snyder, you know. But um, yeah, I, about the idea that dark equals gritty equals uh, realistic, you know, which mm-hmm. is complete bull, you know, BS. I'm fine with Snyder and his vision and what he likes and what he wants to put on the yeah. screen. My issue is more with Snyder basically saying, like, I'm a bigger fan than you. And if you don't like my movies, you're not a real fan. Kind of because I found that one comic where Superman killed somebody. And so therefore, you know, God. like, yeah. I'm the true fan, you know. I, I kind of agree with that. It's like, it's, 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 again, I, I have no problem with, with his particular aesthetic. It, sometimes it works great. I think his Watchmen movie is perhaps the most screen accurate comic book depiction mm. ever, or at least thus far. So yeah, I've got no problem with him. But yeah, he he does this thing where it's like it's his. He thinks he's smarter than you. Yeah, if if you don't get his vision, that's on you. You know, <laughs> clearly right. it's it's your failing. You just don't appreciate the genius that is Zack Snyder. You know, right. and, uh, okay. You know? <laughs> 
Yep. Yeah. yeah. He made some of those comments about how, like, you know, like people aren't true fans if they're saying Superman doesn't kill and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, yes, I get what you're saying. I get that you're saying that, yes, there have been comics where Superman killed. Sure. And, and, and DC never had a very cohesive vision until the 80s anyway on any of their characters. And so, yeah. They did the same thing with Batman. Batman doesn't kill. But, I mean, he hits guys in the head with cinder blocks. Yeah, he right. come on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he just leaves people paralyzed and debilitated, and, you know, in his way. And, yeah, I mean, like, you can really sum up Snyder with the whole, uh, what, what, how did he say? Batman isn't dark. I'm paraphrasing, but the quote from him was, Batman isn't dark. Batman is cool. If he wanted to make Batman dark, he would make him he'd have him being raped in prison or something like that. You know? Right, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, See that encapsulates his where his mindset to me right there. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, you can have dark and you can have gritty and you have realistic, but he does it for the sake of dark and gritty and you know ultra realistic, and, and you don't need to. I think you can look at probably Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins is the anti Snyder, mm. and you know her. She's she's the opposite pole of the DCEU vision. And whether you liked or hated Wonder Woman 84, it's, it's still, you, you can't argue that it's not successful in its own right. Right. And, and totally, yeah, no, I get it. And totally, like you say, she's, she's exactly opposite. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to turn this into the Zack Snyder thing. I was just <laughs> saying that there, there are people, I'm talking about the people who are really into the Snyder stuff. that think that the yeah. Snyder oh, stuff is the pinnacle of yeah. comic book storytelling. Like that's, <laughs> they, they might be the kinds of people who don't want Disney plus, but yeah. I agree with you. And, and the thing is, it's, it's funny, just like how DC is always scrambling to like follow Marvel. You see HBO now scrambling to follow Disney Plus. Yeah. You know, because it's like they're reabsorbing. Like, you know, originally Warner was going to have multiple different streaming services and all this kind of stuff. And as soon as Disney Plus was saying, like, what they're doing, Warner is suddenly like scrambling, like, no, we're pulling everything into HBO Max. So it's one house for all your Warner streaming stuff. And you can see now they're announcing that there's going to be like two movies in addition to all of the series on HBO, like two DC series every year yeah. or two, two, no, two movies two that are straight to HBO Max yeah. in addition to all the series that they have going yeah, on. Like their version of Gotham or whatever. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, they're, yeah, they, they, I think they've realized that the absolute worst thing, streaming is becoming so populated with new services and, and new offers that the absolute worst thing they can do is compete with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I think Disney has also learned that lesson, which is why you can clearly see they're either winding down Hulu or they are setting Hulu up to be something that Disney Plus just cannot be. Which actually, yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, you, you mentioned that Disney is all about mass appeal, and that's true. But like, if there's a lesson that Disney has mastered more than anything else, it's that it's the worship of like the almighty dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they own Deadpool, and that property has been so successful, they're gonna find a way. They're I don't believe R-rated movies are dead with Disney. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it exactly. Uh, if they'll create a, a studio to specifically isolate that with, or like, or maybe repurpose Fox uh, studio for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 20th century studios. Who knows? No, we're not. It's, I think that's why they rebranded them. But yeah, I mean, they're not going to like, there will be a Deadpool three or there will be there just, just because as much as Disney wants to present this image, they also want that money. <laughs> right. Know? No. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Hulu because there are reasons right now, like they still have agreements with NBC because even though yeah. NBC Universal is setting up Peacock, they're, they're yeah. like agreements that go through 2021 from what I understand. So they still have to keep that going. And then also Hulu, right. because it already had international agreements 
they're using that to be able to put Disney content in international markets where it would be harder to get Disney plus approved. However, you know, they have to approve it. So internationally Hulu, I think carries more Disney stuff than it does here because they're using Hulu as sort of their into those markets to present that. But yeah, like over time, like, are they going to keep Hulu or are they going to absorb it into Disney yeah. plus? Cause I mean, honestly, it doesn't need to be a separate service from Disney Plus. You just need to have like a separate like because se- you know like yeah, right now when you go to Disney Plus, there's like the Pixar, the Star Wars, the Mar- you you click on the icon for the thing you want, right? Yeah. They just need to add another icon, right? Yeah, and and just like for FX or Hulu or whatever, right? But and, and they could easily set it up so that one like parental controls, so like right. that one's only. You have to have permission for that one or whatever. No, it's totally doable. I mean, the technology is obviously there, and, and it'll probably happen. Or the offers, or the I think they're already doing that. Actually, like the Disney Plus Hulu ESPN package or whatever, where for a little bit extra, you can get all mm-hmm. three services or something like that. Even even that would be acceptable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just and like what did I see? Um, Discover Plus, I think, or something, a new streaming service. You know, with Discover and all the reality TV, TLC, and all those reality shows and everything. So, no, yeah, see, I, I wasn't even aware of that. It's like $5. It was four ninety nine a month, but you get like every episode of everything of everything that's been on Discovery Channel and TLC and Home and Gardens and, and all those, which that's some people's legit fandom. So more power to it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen because, you know, we see already now the big studios are setting up their own things. You know, there's yeah. the Paramount CBS. We got Peacock with Universal and NBC and we've, we've got the HBO it's Max really that's got the Warner stuff in there. Netflix is still a contender in its own way. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Sony's got the PlayStation Network, even though I don't know exactly yeah. what's on there. That one I'm not <laughs> hearing much with, but, you know, you know, Sony does at least have its own streaming... Yeah, or Apple. They've still got their... Right, right, right. But then it's stuff like, it's interesting because, you know, I I just read recently that MGM is up for sale. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And that's a a studio that isn't as big now, but has, you know, the history going back. They're a library, yeah. Right, they have a huge library of stuff. And, of course, they own the Stargate franchise, which is a huge amount of television. James Bond. Yeah, Yeah, James Bond for the movie side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've got two huge franchises that i'm sure anyone would want you you know any of the studios would want to own so it'll be interesting you know i joked that hey disney there's some ip you don't have yet you know Uh, announcement. yeah and the thing is like where does the money come from i mean what are they leveraging again and again to buy all this stuff disney and you know everything else at fox you know i i think they're you know they i'm sure they jump at it it's just do they have the liquidity to do well and that's what i'm wondering because with covid because that's the thing and it all things being equal i would think that yeah disney would probably go for it but after covid and they you know because disney puts so much stock in their their theme parks yeah which they've been struggling with this year that i think that disney might not have the capital on hand that they're used to having access to that they might not be able to buy you know honestly i think it would be someone like either a sony or a universal that might put everything on the line to buy mgm because they're the be ones I think need it need. more. Yeah. You know, yeah, it might not literally be a choice. I mean, I know Disney stock is like up right now, like crazy, of course, mm-hmm. you know, which is just weird when you think about it. But um, I don't know. I also think Disney might be, because my alternate theory to the whole, oh, they're pushing to make Disney Plus 
the go-to for all content. Uh, my alternate theory there is is that Disney is deliberately um, my conspiracy theory here is okay. that Disney is and is conspiring with the other studios, consciously or not, to uh, basically sink theaters. They're using COVID as mm. to put the final nail in theaters because I know the the whole the anti-monopoly law um, that prevented vertical monopolies so that studios couldn't own theater mm. chains was like revoked a year or two ago. So mm. I can totally see like Disney just waiting for AMC to get so broke that then they swoop in and congratulations in 20 late 2021 AMC's rebranded Disney theaters where, you know, you can only go there to see Disney movies and, or to pay a little bit extra to see another studio's movies or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that coming. Which, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, because I know somebody who he's a small theater or uh, owner. Yeah. But you know, he's struggling right now. You know, it's Mark Finn who's been on the yeah, show, you know, quite a few yeah. times, and yeah. and you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know, everybody's everybody's talking about, hey, it's so great that they're now releasing you know movies through the streaming directly, and you know, because we can't go to the theaters, and I'm like, yeah, from a consumer point of view, that's great. <laughs> You know, that's wonderful. We get to watch the content we want to see, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, from the standpoint of the theaters, this is really awful because now, you know, even if they do eventually, like, say again, you know, like once, once the vaccine, you know, vaccine is, is out enough that, you know, all the restrictions are lifted, people are going to theaters again, you know, if theaters are still around, uh, you know, that they say they re-release Wonder Woman 84 because they're like, oh, okay. Well, everybody who's seen, you know, the, the, the number of people who will go to see it. Yeah, the theater is is way down because they already saw it at home. Yeah, well, anytime, anytime. I mean, and, and that's going to be the model going forward, where they release whatever studio releases it simultaneously online and in the theater at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, they're competing with themselves. I mean, and I think that especially hurts them for movies like Wonder Woman, not not the Snyder stuff, but mm-hmm. like for for the quote unquote family friendly movies where you know you've got a family for and Wonder Woman's definitely the type of movie you're going to take your kids to, you're going to take mm-hmm. your family to. So yeah, you're like, well, you know, we can just stay home all four of us and make popcorn in the microwave. But like, you're, I do think you like me personally. I will as once it's safe. I will always go back to the theaters because I right. there's there's that experience. Yes, it costs extra, but it's a treat. You know? Right, and but that's like, but that's yeah. you and me. I mean, like I think yeah. we are not the standard public. You know, most yeah. people would rather watch t- you know on TV at home, and they're going because the incentive is I get to see it before anyone can spoil it for me and stuff like that. You know. It depends on the, if we're being completely honest on the on the type of movie. I mean, I'm not going to go see if I can see like if i have to go see like a romantic comedy or something like that <laughs> but i can see it on tv you know at home or on my laptop yeah sure but it, anything that's a special effects laden and that and we might see that be a, be affected too why should studios spend as much money for special effects if it's going to be on a smaller screen you, mm-hmm. we won't be able to see it as well so i don't know it's going to be interesting to see, <laughs> or maybe there'll be two. Or we might even get to the point where we get two versions. We get the theatrical version and the streaming. Oh God! This, see, this what this is reminding me of. Even though I don't play video games, you know, modern video games, because what I know, because I hear people complain all the time, is they release like the game and it's full of bugs, and they know it's full of bugs, and they let like the viewers complain, and then they patch it up. So now it's sounding like we're going to release it to streaming first, then everyone complains about the movie, and then we'll give you like the really re-released theatrical cut with more effects and with a with a new cut you know? <laughs> I mean, you know i i kind of feel like we've already done that and nothing immediately the only thing i can immediately think of that comes to mind is the way they changed um birds of praise like name 
Like literally like two weeks after it had been released, it went from being Birds of Prey and the emancipation, the, the fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn to Harley Quinn featuring Birds of Prey. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our focus groups found out that people yeah. really like Harley Quinn and so, they don't know yeah. anything about Birds of Prey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I still haven't seen that movie. Honestly, I haven't either. I, I, I have yeah. no, I mean, I have such low interest in it anyway but yeah i don't know i mean even with suicide squad even though i think i felt better about suicide squad than most people did yeah, i did not too. feel like margot roby was like the greatest thing since sliced bread like some people do no i mean i, I was feel fine. like she did. well i okay i mean i felt like okay one that the, that interpretation of harley quinn wasn't my favorite i, I right. kind of lean more towards the animated series yes but, uh, yeah but secondly um my feeling on the matter is yeah she did it was totally fine, totally adequate. I, I didn't, didn't really feel like it justified its own movie or anything like that, but, but whatever. I didn't hate it or anything, right. but I just, I, like, I, but then I mean, and like another, I haven't, and I, sadly I have HBO max, so I could watch that and I could watch <laughs> Joker. I haven't seen either of those. Oh either. yeah. No, I haven't seen Joker yeah. either. I don't know. I, but I, those at least Joker is like its whole other can of worms. Right. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure I want to watch Joker anyway, yeah. just because I'm exactly. Not sure. I want to watch something it, where it's... it feels almost like you required. Like I don't want to, but I apparently <laughs> not a real fan. If I don't, <laughs> uh, you'll be judged, Ryan. Yeah. Well, I'm nothing. Nothing new there. You know, we're nerds. <laughs> we're used to being judged since childhood. You know? That's true. That's true. Yeah. No. God. The difference that's... is, yeah, it used to be everyone else in school. Now it's fellow nerds that are judging us. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was funny. I saw a a meme recently that was you know talking again about how like Star Wars fans are ruining star wars yeah, i probably saw the same one like it was luke uh and bespin yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know and like with everything i feel like there's some truth to it but it's not the whole story just like you know because it's like <sighs> i don't want to say that the content that's been provided in the last 20 years is is fine and it's then the fans have no right to complain. At the same time, the fans who have complained have gone over and beyond like anything reasonable yeah. in some instances. So it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm not one of these people who's just like, oh my God, everything Star Wars is great and wonderful, which also annoys me. But I'm at the same time, I'm also not like, yeah, why are you like just harassing like the actors or the producers or directors on Twitter? You know, like, because that has no constructive, you know. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, gee, a, a meme oversimplifies a complex issue. Mm. Um, imagine that, you know. Right. But I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I do think, I mean, toxic fandom is, like, it's a legitimate thing. And mm. and I do think Star Wars fandom is has a serious problem with it, uh, perhaps more than other fandoms. But I, it's, it's again, it's just there. I've made a very vague general assessment, you know. But I, having said that, I still consider myself a Star Wars fan, right. you know, and um, I, I have enjoyed to varying degree the new stuff. Well, and that's the problem. Like, like I feel like a lot of the people who use that meme though are the people who like uncritically just approve of everything Star Wars and try to shut anyone down for saying anything negative about Star Wars, and I hate that. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, there is definitely a problem with how some people are expressing themselves. Yeah. And so that's why I always find myself in sort of like the middle on these arguments where I'm just like, because I feel like there have been legitimate problems going back to the prequels, you know, yeah. with the new content. And there are some people 
that don't want to see any of those problems and that's fine they can be that way but when they shut down other people who want to discuss it that's where i have the issue with it yeah i think that comes down to like time and place know your audience time and place and all that other stuff but but i know what you mean like uh i will defend uh the last jedi Mm -hmm. and i will rag on the rise of skywalker or the force awakens whatever but having said all that i think that they pass muster and and they fall mm-hmm. on on the on the um, better half of, of star wars movies yeah i mean the, the the big mistake that disney made there is they either all three should have been abrams or they all three should have been johnson i, I feel like that would have given the, the trilogy like an actual like level feel. the biggest problem to me is how disjointed they feel yeah I, yeah i don't know that necessarily needed to be all three one or the other they could have definitely gone with different directors but they needed a unifying vision they needed a kevin fahey or something oh, like that. right okay yeah. or do it that way yeah where yeah, there's somebody yeah. over the whole thing that gives it the unifying vision but whether that's the director or you have a producer like faggy that's overseeing it with different directors it, either way you need that yeah overlying vision because I mean, yeah i yeah. mean and, and inter- i mean i i'm i'm there for johnson's vision if johnson had made a trilogy you know yeah, about a sequel to star wars and, and it had been all his vision that would have been interesting. but my biggest problem with the rise of skywalker is it feels like okay now we got to take all this time to try to undo like the stuff mm-hmm. that like the johnson was doing in his movie before we move on and it's just like oh god come on guys yeah uh, you know it's just exactly it just felt like like it, the the sequel now in fairness to abrams and johnson and it's not exactly like Lucas's vision was cohesive in either the prequels or the original trilogy. You can literally see where he's changing it as he goes. The Easter eggs he drops, or, or the not the Easter eggs, but the um, foreshadowing that he drops that never pays off and so forth. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Lucas himself, and I think we, see, that's another thing about Star Wars fandom, is, is I think they've, taken, they've put Lucas up on a pedestal that they revere him and assume that he he is infallible when you can go look back on the original trilogy and definitely the prequel trilogy and it's like uh disney really isn't if you if you wanted to honestly think about it critically disney hasn't really been that much worse with the, with the, the franchise than lucas was it's just they're more mm-hmm. prolific with it they've just put out so much more star wars in mm-hmm. so short a time than lucas ever and in what in 30 years lucas put out six movies in the holiday special and a couple of ewok movies mm-hmm. disney in three years has put out three movies a series no six one two, it's been five, five years five movies well yeah okay five years five movies so they're putting out a movie a year and, right. and now they've got 22 series right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of people who are expressing concern just because of the sheer volume, but at the same time, it's like, look, I think they've learned that no matter what we do, the fans are going to complain, so let's just throw everything at the wall at this point, because they're going to watch it anyway, and, you know, if we give them 50 series, then odds are, like, they're going to like some of them, so, As strange as it may sound, like, maybe Star Wars is actually better in that long-form series format. Uh, it, it, you know, in the nooks and crannies, like Rebels, Clone Wars, you know, the series, uh, Mandalorian, obviously. The mm-hmm. series just, I don't know, I think the universe, just the world building just lends itself for small-scale storytelling. I just, and, and I realize that the technology, because they're giving us movie-level technology yeah. on TV series, and so because of that, the series have to be limited. At the same time, though, I feel like the Mandalorian seasons are way too short. 
Yeah, um, I, 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 I would. Episodes, I mean, so. I, I mean, I get not doing a twenty-two episode season, but I feel like they should be 12. more like a thirteen or a twelve. Yeah, like a twelve yeah. or a thirteen, something like that. To to really, because it, it feels like every season, I feel like that doesn't. You know, I don't feel like enough payoff here. I really want to like move the story forward. Yeah, but, I mean, as long as they still keep them coming out once a year, though, at least that's good. And if we don't do a Netflix thing of you know, like yeah, you might get a, a season this year and maybe in two or three years you get another season and oh marvel pulled the license so now that's all you got for our marvel netflix stuff oh well you liked it yeah Yeah. (laughs) until the rights revert back to them you know then maybe maybe we get a cameo in spider-man 3 yeah i don't i don't believe any of that i really don't think that that's gonna happen I i mean it's telling that it's stuff like we got this cut like you know it, yeah. it, we know that they're going to have characters from the other Spider-Man franchises, but no one legitimate has ever reported any of the Netflix cameos. Like all of that's been like we got this covered and stuff like that. I feel like Charlie Cox was like Deadline or something like something mildly, some place, some source mildly reliable reported Charlie Cox, but or at least was in negotiations or something like that. I don't know, but I, d- okay. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. Um, yeah. No, I know. It's just I don't. I don't think Faggy's going to sign off on it. I think he's just like, nope. Everything Jeff Loeb did, <laughs> <laughs> let it die. It's, yeah. Right. It's just going under a rug somewhere. You know, we got Ming Na and Star Wars, and that's what we wanted. You know, and <laughs> we keep yeah. our own Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the very fact that they've considering that they're when who they've cast for Blade, it's just yeah, kind of yeah. You know, I mean, right. we're just going to pretend. Uh, that yeah, Luke Cage never happened. You know? Right. <laughs> Cottonmouth who? What? You uh, know? I mean, well, there are people in real life that have like a strong resemblance to each other. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. I, you, you <laughs> can always, you know, you can always say that. And just the same thing as like in Civil War, how Mariah is briefly yeah. in, in that movie. You could just say that that woman is someone who just looks a lot like Mariah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I granted, yes, obviously. And, 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 well, you know, going back to fandom, I mean, if you can suspend your disbelief long enough to believe that a giant purple alien has the power of a god because of a glove, <laughs> then you can suspend your disbelief about the same actor playing two roles. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. When everyone was freaking out about the casting of, of Blade, I was just like, this is not like, guys, like, calm down. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean anything. It just, yeah. mean, you know, just like, oh, in this universe, Blade happens to look a lot like Cottonmouth. You know, you can still pretend, you, know, you can still say the Netflix stuff happens. Yeah. Although I, I remember your theory about how maybe they'll try to establish the netflix stuff is another earth which is possible yeah well yeah even so they can do that without saying that cottonmouth and blade had to be the same person yeah i mean right. yeah yeah just as long as they're, they're not gonna be in the same room together it's no different than uh and i honestly think that that's where uh the cw does it better like the in jokes they had with brendan ruth's characters yeah uh you know adam and superman like wow he, he looks just like my cousin or whatever you know, right. you know i mean you know so just acknowledge it do that meta joke and go on with it you know mm-hmm. yeah no I, yeah i think that that yeah that that was really good so disney plus i think is a good choice because i think that yeah i think that they're setting the the trend again i mean they're they're kind of doing what cbs tried to do but cbs didn't have the content to do it because cbs was already trying to establish its because they knew that star trek is their bread and butter for cbs all access and so they were already trying to establish their idea of we're gonna have so many star trek series going that you know once we get this all running we'll have a new star trek episode of one of these series 
throughout the whole calendar yeah. year. And you can see that with, you know, they had their section 30, you know, they, we already had Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks and they're establishing their section 31 show and their Pike show. And I think there was one other show too that they've announced now. And so it's like, you can see the mindset of CBS is if we do this right, there's constantly yeah. a new Trek show. And so that way we'll keep people subscribing all through the year instead of doing like what I do, which is, you know, like, oh, Discovery's dropped. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay for CBS for one month watch true discovery and then drop it until like the next season of picard and then i'll pay yeah. for it and then i'll watch that and i'll drop <laughs> it you know into, yeah i think we all do that for some <laughs> streaming services right. but but you know that's a different philosophy like like okay so they want to have trek all year round so like they could have you know like three three or four series at say 20 episodes of pop mm -hmm. or, or 15 episodes of pop and do that but they're instead they're going to have six series at eight or 10 episodes or 12 episodes mm -hmm. of pop i think i think discovery does 12 I think. discovery's doing more like 15 16 they're they're doing oh, a longer nice. season than picard well, like picard i think was only picard like 10 had eight or eight yeah eight or ten yeah, something small something like yeah yeah which i guess you know you're gonna do however many patrick stewart agrees to do. right and yeah <laughs> i mean he, yeah. he's an old guy so i mean yeah you get you know you you use him as much as he feels he's up to doing yeah exactly you know so i, I if that's your limiting factor that's fine but like you know, but but just like from a sheer, just like not counting Patrick Stewart's salary, but everyone else, I would think like just from an economy to scale standpoint, it would be cheaper to do more episodes of fewer series than to do fewer episodes of more series. But That's true. No, you're right. Yeah, because I mean, you you, you know certain th certain things with uh, sets and whatnot that you know you yeah. have to pay for. Yeah, yeah, more contracts and everything. Yeah, but then I think they're also trying to play the flavor game. Which yeah. is also what I think Disney is probably doing now with all the different Marvel and Star Wars shows that they're announcing is it's like, okay, we've got lower decks for, you know, the, the out and out comedy, you know, kind of thing. Cause, mm -hmm. cause we see you people watching Orville. We want you, you know, <laughs> so we got lower decks, you know, we got uh, Picard for the nostalgia, you know, and we've got discovery is sort of like, this is sort of like our new track. You know, like this is sort of like our new wave track, like trying it's to bring the, in a new fan or new flagship, track, yeah. right? Exactly. And so, like, I think that they're probably, and you know, Pike's going to be another hard hardcore nostalgia, probably more oh, so yeah. than Picard for those fans. And I mean, if anything's going to bring in the old school fans, it's going to be Strange New Worlds, right. without it. No, I, I, I don't think anyone. I don't even even the people that hated Discovery. I don't think anyone, any fan, if any fan hated Anson Mount as Pike, I've not heard about it. I mean, no. they were literally going to rant about how terrible Discovery is, how it's ruining right. Star Trek. But I did like the casting as Anson Mount. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've not heard anything negative about it. I, I'm, I'm negative on their number one. I, I, and it's not a problem with Rebecca Romain. I like her in other stuff. Yeah. I just feel like she is not playing the character Majel Barry played. Like, And I get that we only have one episode to go by, but the fact that you know, she was described as being like close to a computer, you know, like yeah. I, I wanted someone a lot more colder and detached. Um, than Did you watch got. the shorts? I'm sorry, say again. Have you watched the shorts, the Star Trek shorts? Yes. Like the one where she's trapped in the turbo lift with Spock. Yeah. 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 yeah that seemed really out of character. <laughs> I was not happy with that one at all. The Spock is okay. He's serviceable. I mean, he wasn't like, uh, I, I don't feel like he was great, but at the same time, I didn't have a horrible reaction to him, so I feel like he's serviceable. But he comes across as a good young Spock. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I liked uh, Zachary Quinto too. I haven't liked any of their, or haven't disliked any of their recasting in, in Star Trek across the board, with the possible exception of, 
I wasn't a big fan of, of this is 2009. This is JJ Abrams again, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a big fan of Simon Pegg as Scotty. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I haven't been having a problem of uh, any casting for you know, re- recasting. Yeah, but Peg, I think Peg is more of a, this is a favor for a guy who's a fan and who's also working with us and behind the scenes a little bit and stuff I like that. It. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I had the opportunity on. to insert myself into a Star Trek movie, I'm taking it too. So, I mean, yeah, I totally get yeah. it. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. He doesn't come off as being that much like like Scotty, but Scotty, we're, we're yeah. also dealing with new time. I mean, I don't think Chris Pine necessarily is a problem, but I, I I didn't really care for his portrayal in the first two movies, and I get that that was direction and whatnot. But that's again because it was a new timeline, so you know you just hand wave it and say like he doesn't have to act like Kirk, and it's like okay, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah, you know. And so that was the thing there. But I, I was very happy with the third movie where I felt like they, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's so different when you actually have a real Star Trek fan behind the scenes making the movie, like what the movie feels like. Which is ironically enough, that's where Simon Pig came in and <laughs> <Right>. yeah, he, <laughs> he shined. Yeah. <laughs> right, because that was the thing. It's like. I don't have a problem with J.J. Abrams, but picking a guy that's like, yeah, I don't really like Star Trek as your Star Trek director is kind of, yeah, maybe not the best. It's like, I would do this as my application to do Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, literally to the point I will insert R2-D2 into a scene. Oh, man. But yeah, so I think what CBS is doing is that they realize that Star Trek fandom while maybe not being as harsh or vocal as Star Wars fandom, is just as divided and just as prone to nitpick and be mad about things, is that they're trying to play this game of, if we can get them into strange new worlds, maybe then we can get them into picard or section 31 or something else you know like like if we can get them in maybe we can hook them with one of the others but we need to like have all these different shows with different tones to try to get them in or even even i would say that it's not even just a matter of like we're disney with marvel marvel's formula is so, is, is so well frankly formulaic that if you like one you're gonna like them all you know right. so you can you can slide into any marvel product and be at home but i think yeah cbs has just gone like well yeah if you don't like discovery you will like strange new worlds you know if you don't or, or you will like lower decks you don't have to like everything but we're gonna put something out there for you to like right but i, th- I think there's also sort of a mindset of maybe we can hook you and at least get you into some of the other ones you know and lower decks is a great example of this is a way to pull in new people who might love rick and morty or you know yeah. other animation like that but aren't star trek fans and they will pull you into lower decks and then maybe from lower decks that'll get you interested in other Trek, and you'll yeah, start exactly. watching some of these other shows and so yeah i think i think that they've got a, a sound strategy to they don't have the content that Disney has to be able to pull. Like Disney's got Marvel and Star Wars, in addition to all the other Disney Pixar, you know, properties that they own. But I mean, like these are two huge mass appeal across generations. Yeah, kind of fan. And 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 CBS is just working with Star Trek for the most. But I mean, they're trying to beef up other things and do other stuff. And and certainly merging with Paramount's going to help them because they're going to get a lot of movie content. I think. That's what I, but again, I, I think we look at that as, um, because we're old school fans of Star mm-hmm. Trek, we consider what we've already seen as a given. But yeah, you come in and you watch lower, you you watch Rick and Morty, which leads you to lower decks, and maybe that leads you to Next Generation, which you can mm-hmm. watch on CBS All Access, and that'll lead you to Picard. But I mean, for uh, for me, for you and me, it's like okay, we've seen that, we've done that, so we're kind of discounting it as new. But for right. a lot of fans, or for a lot of potential fans. 
CBS All Access has what five series uh, from going back you know to the 60s mm-hmm. uh, content that you can watch yeah i think they have i mean i haven't really looked because i don't i've seen it all already in fact i own it all yeah. but um i think they have everything they might even have the animated series the old animated series on cbs yeah. so yeah i mean they've got they've got everything so yeah you're right they can hook them back the other way to get to watch the old stuff my my daughter was just telling me the other day and i was shocked that she has a friend in school who is all about tos yeah, I believe it. And I, I was like, "What, really?" She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "She doesn't even like any of the other stuff, like no next gen, no DS nine, no nothing, <laughs> none of the modern stuff, like Discovery." It's just she is just TOS, and I'm like, "That is fascinating." <laughs> it really is because, like, I, I because I, I don't know for whatever reason we don't see it, but I remember like in 2010 or 2011. I was at Phoenix Comic Con, and this was right after 2009 uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. and which I did not love. <laughs> but I will give it credit for what it was. The, sure. Going to conventions afterwards, I would see new fans in the new style uniforms, and they would all be like teenagers, mm-hmm. you know. And and it was just it, that at least warmed my heart. Going to a Star Trek panel in 2010 and seeing you know like. Um, Here's uh, there's a couple of 17 year olds, boys and girls, both wearing the new style, the 2009 uniforms. And this that's what got them hooked. And now they've gone back and they're discovering uh, the other stuff. And they're here. They are at a convention discussing um, who's the greatest villain in all of Star Trek series and being wrong about it. But that's not the point. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and yeah, I mean, after the, the Pike season, you because know, I was at Dragon Con in 2019. And everyone was wearing the revised original series uniforms that they had in Discovery. You know, that was one of the huge cosplays that I saw everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, definitely there is that sort of nostalgia interest. And I've heard of that uh, with the Abrams movies, especially of people getting into Star Trek through those movies and then going and exploring Star Trek beyond that. So, I mean, from that standpoint, even though I don't really care for the first two of those movies yeah. very much, I mean, I still I still own them. So, I mean, how much <laughs> can I say that I don't? I mean, know, I, I can find them. good things in them, but you oh, have to Right, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's that third movie for me that's the payoff. That's the, I'm glad I hung in for this to get yeah, this because this feels like real Star Trek. Yeah. But, I mean, it's great to have that there to hook new people in and to get them to explore the rest of the stuff. And, yeah, that's what Star Trek, for all, for everything, all the, that's what Star Trek needed in 2009, in that Mm -hmm. era. It needed uh, an injection, a new lifeblood. It needed, you know, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say a reboot per se, but it just needed a revival. Yeah, after Paramount completely screwed up and was like, we don't need fans, and they did Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> and the sad part is, I mean, but until season four, when they were like, you know what? Um, right, they backpedaled, the- but it was too little too late, yeah. right? You yeah. know, they'd already, like, alienated everybody, because I didn't come back to watch in season four. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, and everybody tells me, oh, yeah, you know, you should, you know, season four was when it got good, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. They told me season three was going to be the season to change everything. I did come back for season three, and season then I was like, "This is really that much better." <laughs> oh, oh no, no, it became more uh, sexy. Well, no, that was the thing. That was all the advertisements they put out oh. for season three. Is oh, like Enterprise retooling it. That's when they added Star Trek back to the um, yeah, to you the know, back to the title, and you know, season three come back and watch it and like the first one i saw was like it was a voyager episode that they just filed off the serial number and like stuck the enterprise characters into it and i'm like this is like a ripoff of your own show <laughs> you know your own series <laughs> You've done <this>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like 
but most of it was more like they were trying to be more shocking by include like increasing the like sexual content in the third season also and i was like i don't really need this i either. didn't see that I, I mean i don't disagree that that was a factor but season three for me like the whole zindi storyline was an obvious you know post 9 11 uh mm. thing i mean you know earth gets attacked archer goes overboard i just the parallels there for me like it's like they thought they were they thought they were going to try and be relevant and do what star trek does best and deal with modern issues that's what i got from it with more sex i mean i, I don't know which i couldn't tell you what episode it was but whatever episode it was where hoshi dropped down from up above and her shirt got snagged and so she has to drop down shirtless it's like oh god really <laughs> you know i mean, <laughs> I mean uh, it was sad yeah <laughs> the thing that always got me is i can't remember berman or one of the other producers they said we don't need like the established fan or some. It's, it was words to that effect of we don't need the established fans because we're gonna pull in like a whole new, new group of fans. And I was just like, you've screwed it. <laughs> like at this point, like they, there's no way you're gonna come back from this. And that was the thing. It was the only you know they came. You know they planned just like all the other you know new series tracks. Like we're gonna have seven seasons. We're gonna do this, and then it's like, and then they only got four because they couldn't attract the new fans. And they alienated the established ones. And it was like, you don't go into a show that has an established fan. Like, that's your whole, that's the whole, like, you know, that's the whole, like, uh, uh, advantage to doing Star Trek rather than this is my new sci-fi series. It's got a base of established fans, you know. You're guaranteed, you are, if if you at least acknowledge the fans, you're guaranteed a baseline of viewership. And you can build on that. But yeah, well, but see, I think that's the problem with prequels. In, in Star Trek to mm-hmm. begin with is you're going to eventually trip yourself up. I mean, how many times did Archer, he came across a Ferengi, never bothered to ask the species name. He right. came across the Borg. I mean, how many times did did that that stuff happened where we just had to just look the other way and pretend, uh, nope, nope, nope. You know, mm-hmm. we're not uh, going to acknowledge that. <laughs> we're not supposed to know them yet. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And there's just so many little simple tweaks that I would have done to Enterprise to just yeah. make it feel more like this is really the original, like you know, warp exp- exploration ship that Earth has produced. And instead, it was the Space Hilton, just like Next Gen. I mean, it was just like you know, it shouldn't be this broad and spacious, and you know, all this. Th- no. No, but, you that's... know the the premise was good. The casting was decent, mm-hmm. um, with the, with the exception of maybe Scott Bakula. I liked everyone that they cast. Mm-hmm. It, it just yeah, it, it, the execution was just bad. It was it's like they took the the. Let's like you talk about you know sexy. They they took the lesson they took from Voyager was seven of nine in a skin tight suit right. works. You know, <laughs> to Paul, come here. You know, you know. It's no, been a while tighter, since I've know? looked at Enterprise, but I wonder if Jerry Ryan was or not. Uh, no, Jerry uh, Taylor. Jerry Taylor was the producer, right? Jerry Taylor is the producer that that came up with seven of nine. I wonder if Jerry Taylor was attached to Enterprise also <laughs> as the. Or at least get some sort of credit, some sort of inspiration. Here's the part that blows my mind the most. Brandon Braga, responsible for all the worst decisions of next gen Voyager and Enterprise, is great on the Orville. And I still don't understand how he's writing great episodes on the Orville. Like, is it just like he's just gained that much experience? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just it's been 15 years. He's he's become a better writer or whatever. But I mean, like 
maybe it's it's the team effort. Maybe pairing him with Seth MacFarlane. Maybe he tones down Seth MacFarlane, and Seth MacFarlane brings him back towards what works. Who knows? That know. could be. Yeah, no, because I mean that's the thing. For years, I just accepted the fact that Brandon Braga was the thing that ruined Star Trek, and now <laughs> I have to like. See, for me, it's always Rick Berman. So, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and now now that I know more behind the scenes stuff, but I mean, Braga's name was always on the episodes where I'm like, this episode is just awful. Oh, it's another Brandon Braga episode. <laughs> Well, they got the name the Killer Bees. They earned that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, but then, like, like going to the, you know, when doing the Orville episodes and looking at the, you know, the credits, you know, like, oh, which directors and writers worked on which episodes? And I'm like, I really like this one. It's written by Braga? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like scratching uh, my head. Like, how did that happen? Uh, uh, it's, do you watch... Um, you do you uh you you check out honest trailers right yeah like sometimes Sometimes i mean i I don't watch them all like uh, when when facebook shows up one and i'm like oh i want to click that one yeah well i mean they they released one recently for um lost and uh the series lost but like one of the jokes spoiler that they make in it is like they list all the names of and you know by the people that brought you this they bring you loss but it would be like it would be like something like the worst thing ever and then one of the best things ever and, they, and the joke was how can they make something so good and so bad at the same time <laughs> and like i think like um uh uh i can't even remember, like well vost is abrams another abrams project there you go mm-hmm. but uh simon um uh been to the k uh oh uh, um, um oh i want to say like Kindberg or something. I can't remember. Yeah, it's Kinsberg, something Kinsberg, like that. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, fix it up in editing. You'll, you, you know, <laughs> but him, yeah, you know, but like, yeah, and a few, couple other people. And it's like, that's, yeah, they, um, I don't, but I, I guess maybe it's just this is where you see your name might be attached to it, but it can still be crap because it's a team effort or it can be genius with that's true. Yeah, no, yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. So yeah, funnily enough, this was supposed to be like a 10-15 minute conversation. It turned into an hour. Yeah. <laughs> now question two. Yeah. Right, yeah. Think- <laughs> Although funny enough, this is the same thing that happened with Rachel. We were like, yeah, it'll just be like a 10-15 minute quick little yeah. conversation. And I just ended up talking and it was just like, oh, okay. Because I wanted Rachel on also because she was in the first episode. And yeah. so, you know, that's... <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's how it works, you know. And then what you do is, uh, I mean, you... you drop the 100th right but then like you know you tease out and then and click here for the longer extended version right well that's what i'm gonna end up doing is yeah here are the like the unfiltered like like conversations (laughs) that we had you know yeah Yeah, i mean i mean this is really like an ode to self-indulgence right i mean this is like the 100th episode Woo! like there's no topic it's just we're just gonna talk about you know media in general and just go like oh god like you know you weren't on the panel that we did but i tried to have that structured but you you know when i have sean on a panel and yeah. you know it's kind of like we didn't stay structured for very long i mean I, I say it with love but like if you get sean or mark or, or few, probably even me or a few others on a panel then you know okay you're not getting a word in. <laughs> oh god sean and mark on a panel together oh my god i'm just thinking of that now that's like that's like we might like form enough of a gravitational mass to like fold in on itself and become a singularity yeah <laughs> Well, that's almost like you just want to put them like what it is. It's just the three. It's you and them two, and like you literally just introduce them and then just say a word. Just you know, you you say you throw out uh, something like you just say, I don't know, Jason Momoa, and then nothing else. <laughs> just, <laughs> <it comes> up. 
<laughs> I mean, they could go Conan. That would make sense. They could go Aquaman. Right. That would make right. sense. <laughs> oh, God. Jason Momoa. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones, Stargate, you know, yeah, like, exactly. he's just, yeah, you could go all sorts of places with Jason Momoa. And, and that's the funny, like, all right. So, so just one last thing I've got to say, because Jason Momoa reminded me when we were talking about MGM. <laughs> The thing that's shocked me the most is all the talk around MGM being sold. Nobody's bringing up Stargate. And I'm like, to me, that would be one of the things that these uh, companies would be salivating over is that's like 300 episodes between yeah. the three series of TV content that you just instantly add to your streaming service. But I think that would be one of the things that they'd all be like, I mean, obviously, yes, the movies too, but a lot of all these companies have a lot of movies other than that. Like that might be the interesting thing. If Netflix is like, we're going to buy like an actual movie studio, you know, to, that releases to theaters to try to keep ourselves like a little more diverse. But yeah, other than Netflix, like they all, you know, already have movie con a lot of movie content. Yeah. I would think they would all be wanting that TV content and to be able to add that much stuff. Because that was why Disney acquired Fox. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, the, the Stargate library, it seems like it's just, it's there. It's ripe. But I, I know also any potential buyer is probably looking for properties they can create new content about. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a rights issue with Stargate about creating something new. I would think there would be more rights issues around James Bond because that actually has like someone, you know, like I'm that, sure that are, I mean, yeah. Fleming's estate, I'm sure needs to be negotiated with. And somehow the broccoli family has like in perpetuity, in perpetuity been like the create because it used to be Alfred Broccoli producing all the movies. And now it's Barbara Broccoli, his daughter producing the movies. So it's like somehow there you've got some piece of this where it's like the studios don't even question, like, should we be like changing like the, the people helming these things? It's always the broccoli family but to what extent right is it just right. uh, yeah just like it's the same way that stanley and gene roddenberry how involved were they towards the end of of you know these productions? well that's true too but that makes me wonder if whatever agreement fleming made and his estate made like somehow like it like <laughs> ensconces the broccoli family in as these are friends of mine you know you're gonna have them make the movies and something i don't know i mean i don't Some know how any of that works but know, it's but just it, interesting to me that uh, i mean what they're like 30 something bond movies now and all of them have been produced other than never say never again because that wasn't even produced by uh MGM. That yeah. was the weird one that kind of illegally slash legally <laughs> got made. The loophole one. Yeah. Right, the loophole one. But that it's always been either Alfred or Barbara producing those movies, which makes me think something like that doesn't happen, right? That seems like the studios would have wanted to change, you know, they would have wanted to change at some point. The crazy part is apparently a hereditary right, you know? Right. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> it will pass on to the next broccoli when Barbara, exactly. goes, you know, yeah. like, so yeah, it makes me wonder like what exactly are the agreements that were made for them to make the, uh, the bond movies. But um, yeah, I, I think Sony you know, and Sony's got the capital that a lot of the other studios don't have because they've got that whole company, you know, yeah. like movies are like their sideline, right? So like Sony, you know, because they've been the ones distributing the Bond movies. Mm -hmm. I think that they're probably one of the ones that are most likely to buy. Just make it, plum, make it official. Right, right. Yeah. And then it's yeah. just part of their stuff. And then, and then, and that's the thing. I mean, like Stargate's a property that I think still has got legs in it. It just needs yeah. somebody to want to infuse it in. Like that stupid Stargate, streaming service they oh, made gosh. was not it where they made that one like really crappy movie that they showed like episodically like in 10 minutes like origins or what i can't yeah what's... stargate origins that was it that was yeah. like okay they tried to do a prequel but it was a really bad prequel and while technically doesn't contradict anything it kind of doesn't feel right yeah and <laughs> it's just no, 
Stargate, as as wonderful as it is, I was not going to pay for Stargate. You know? It eventually showed up on Amazon as yeah. part of the Amazon Prime, which is the only reason that I ever watched it. Was, it was like, oh, I'll watch it as part of my Amazon Prime there you go, subscription. Yeah. Legal rights, these issues, it's, it's like, I, it's like a, a Tolkien and mm-hmm. Amazon, speaking of Amazon Prime and Tolkien, Tolkien you know, I, I, that's a whole other rights issue that I'm sure has to be had to be negotiated, but they found a way. I, I don't know. It's just interesting to to see where it's going, but it's, but I could see Sony getting MGM, but just as a means to and to make Sony look more attractive for five years from now when Disney comes to buy Sony. <laughs> Maybe yeah. There's always been the rumors that Sony just wants to spin off of the uh, their movie division and and get the money oh, from yeah. it. But then I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Because I mean, Marvel playing ball with them. Yeah, it gave Marvel what they wanted. They wanted Spider Man. But at the same yeah. time, that's allowed Sony to prop up with all those Spider Man properties, you know, yeah. because there it works both ways. It does. It does. They, they've gotten more, I feel. Because I always thought Marvel should play hardball and wait for Sony to cave and either sell or just have them just fold up the movie division and then they just get Spider Man back de facto. But they didn't do that. And so because of that, now Sony's got a longer lease in life. Yeah, it, just, it, felt, it felt like every like Disney, for whatever reason, maybe, it, again, it goes back to, to money. I mean, Disney couldn't buy Star Wars and Sony and mm-hmm. Fox, you know, all within five years of each other. Even they have their limits. But it does feel like they've had opportunity with Sony and they've just squandered it or missed it. That's sort of like what I thought, too, is, is that... They knew they couldn't take care of both Spider-Man and X-Men, so they decided to buy Fox <laughs> and then placate Sony because then that was a way they by could time. get all the toys to play with. You know, because yeah, I mean, so they, they can't be happy that they don't have the rights to that IP. Oh, of course not. Well, I mean, the whole what was I, I honestly believe that it was fan-driven the whatever compromise Marvel yeah. made to get yeah they yeah. were gonna play hardball right yeah last yeah. year they were gonna play hardball they, and they were ready so, to walk away you know, right not- right they were ready to walk away and then yeah i think that tom holland slash the fan because apparently he also made an impassioned plea mm-hmm. and somehow got them talking again but well, that was backed by all the fans who were also making impassioned pleas but he gets us to the table mm, <laughs> you know yeah, by yeah. his joining his voice to ours so yeah that was interesting that then suddenly it was like no we'll make the deal it's like oh okay because as soon as they said, like, yeah, they, they, they broke their relationship, I was like, see, everybody, because I've been telling everybody, you all think that, like, Spider-Man's going to be in the MCU forever, but this is, like, a an acrimonious relationship, and this is a thing that's going to be really temporary. And then it was, like, for I was vindicated for, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. It's, it's, just, it's just at any moment, you know, it uh, mm. it's like, it's like um, I don't know, it's like a... Uh, a married couple who are only staying together till the kids go to college or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's like a firm contract in place now that for at least for X number of movies, they both get to, you know, Marvel gets to use yeah. Tom Holland, Spider-Man, and Sony gets to make Spider-Man movies with other MCU characters. So, I mean, at least, I don't know how long that is or what the limits no. on it are, but, you know, at least for a while, um, it's it's locked. But you can't look at that deal and not think Sony got the, for the first time ever with Disney, that Sony got the better. Oh, yeah, no, Sony got what they wanted. And now because of that, that's going to prop them up. They're going to make tons of money off of Spider-Man properties. And they can make schlocky Venoms and Morbiuses and all of those too now and make a ton of money off of them. 
even though they might not technically be in the MCU, but since they're Marvel MCU characters, yeah, right, exactly. They use that, and that lets them buy MGM. So now they've they've they can, so then they can turn around to Disney when the when it's time to renegotiate and say, hey, you know, uh, why don't you just buy all of us? Oh, and including the, our MGM library. And we want an extra billion, you know. Right? <laughs> you know? And Disney be like, "Hold on, let me pull out their wallet." Okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, because Disney's not. I mean, Disney's not doing great right now. But Disney is going. I mean, well, like you said, after their Disney Plus announcement, their stocks went up. So I mean, but we know that that's it, it, they can't transition just from like being theme park oriented to being like streaming service. Like this is their bread and butter. Yeah. overnight so we know that behind the scenes there are difficulties right now but they're gonna bounce back as soon as as soon as the vaccinations are oh yeah yeah uh, like disney's gonna bounce right back and then they're gonna have the capital and then really i think the biggest thing for disney is if they try to buy sony's film division is if the antitrust stuff finally kicks in because they didn't get it with fox but i would have to think if they try to buy sony that's not like little MGM. That's Sony, you know, their film stuff, because that's TriStar and Columbia Pictures and all that, right? And so uh, that, especially if it is merged with MGM by that point, that's a significant chunk of the overall market that they own. And does that yeah. become a monopoly at that point? That's for the lawyers to decide. But Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so that might be another reason that Disney's trying to play like a game of let's see how this, you know, we got to integrate Fox in first. Yeah. And then see how things shake out to see if we can even like begin to like think about acquiring another big property because they probably just I mean, they'd be happy if they just get the Spider-Man rights back. That's all they're really looking for. They don't, I think, need to buy Sony at this point because they've got so much. That's how literally how it began with Fox, right? They just wanted to buy Futurama rights. And then (laughs) the next thing you know, Fox was like, why don't you buy everything? (laughs) Right. Yeah, and we still don't know what's going on with Universal and Disney. Uh, you know, there's something where they, you, you know, with the theme park rights and with the Hulk yeah. and Namor, but we still don't know how that's all shaken out and what behind the scenes deals that they've made and whatever. But again, that's another one you gotta know that Disney hates that they don't have the rights to put Marvel characters in Disney World. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, they, they, you know they've got, there's a drawer that's got plans for Marvel World, you mm-hmm. know, uh, or what world 616 or whatever they want to call it you know right next to uh disney world or as a part of disney world or something like that mm-hmm. yeah just like they did just like they're doing star wars yeah absolutely mm-hmm. but I, I honestly think where universal is concerned because i've heard so many people in the know and like literally associated with disney give different answers that i don't think even they know anymore <laughs> you know, between universal and disney who has the rights to what and i think everyone's just afraid to really pull at that thread you know Right, I mean, because we know it's specific characters, although we don't know which ones, but it's most of the yeah. popular ones, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man, you know, Hulk. Captain America, Hulk. Universal has the exclusive rights east of the Mississippi to have those characters in their theme park. Like, no other theme park other than Universal Studios can have those characters. And that's why Marvel's only able to put in a Guardians of the Galaxy ride, because those are Z-listers that were never part of any agreement. <laughs> no one you even know. bothered to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, hey, and they're hot now because their movie took off, so we can have a Guardians ride, but we can't have like any other Marvel characters because you know Universal has the rights to them. And so then the question is, you know, because some people say like, well, Marvel made some sort of deal to get the movie rights back to Namor and Hulk. But I'm like, yeah, but the only people who have reported, the only evidence anyone's had from that is when Quesada was asked one time about the Hulk rights. 
or no, yeah. he was asked about the Namor rights Namor. specific, yeah, yeah, exactly. and he just said, "I know it's not with Fox or Sony," and I'm like, "But that's not what anyone thought." <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> "See, they're back with Marvel." Because because he said it wasn't with Fox or Sony, and I'm like, but no. that, that's, that's not everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Universal here. Yeah. Right. I think I think he said before that I think it's back with Marvel. I haven't checked into it. I know it's not with Fox and Sony, and I'm like, but that's not right. Why would it be with Fox or Sony? Right. Why would it be? Yeah. <laughs> so it seemed like it was almost a like. He, he knows the answer, but he doesn't want to say it, or he knows it's a big legal mess, and he doesn't want to wade into it, and it's just, like, created this vague sort of, like... Yeah, nebulous. You know, yeah, like, no one can say that he's lying. Or the other thing is, Casada was in charge at that point of just the comic stuff, so, I mean, maybe he didn't... Like, people were saying, like, it's impossible that the editor-in-chief and Marvel doesn't know, like, you know, or he was the puppet, you know, like, like what, <laughs> no, what's going on with the movie rights. It's rights, very possible. I'm yeah. like, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I would think he would, but at the same time, like, yeah, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. It's literally, but, like, where Marvel's... Con- I mean, I'm sorry, where Disney's concerned, it's literally just a matter of time. They will get the rights, you know. <laughs> it's just win, you know. I mean, right. they're just yeah, they're they're waiting till. Here's the thing that yeah, going back to COVID or whatever, and how opportunistic Disney is. It's not like Universal theme parks are doing any better than Disney theme parks right, right. now. So yeah, this Disney could be like, ooh, we could buy AMC or we could buy Universal theme park. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. Well, well, that's the thing, and that's why I was saying for MGM, the one that's most likely to buy them is Sony, because Sony's still got their huge, you know, electronics business that isn't going. To, if anything, electronics are probably up right now, just because people can buy those things off Amazon and you know, <laughs> from the of their homes and you know, yeah, them. So get it delivered, like, not delivered. right, exactly. So it's like you know, electronics are probably doing just fine right now. So I mean, Sony's probably not hurting overall. Yeah, Sony's got that diversification, so they're yeah they can probably rely on that right and so because of that sony's probably got the capital to buy mgm that nobody you know else has right now because they're all hurting because of movie theaters being closed and production on television shows being closed down and you know all of the all that kind of stuff or the theme parks for the ones that own theme parks you know wb's you know warner owned six flags they're not doing well you know like so nobody's you know doing doing well right now other than probably sony from the from the movie studios Alrighty, but yeah, no, Ryan, that was good. It's good to have you on um, episode 100. Ooh, good to be on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry that we're killing you off this season. Yeah, um, <laughs> don't don't worry. Like I said, either my evil twin will be Brian will show up, or I will be revived with amnesia, probably. Did you see the quarantine panel that they did uh, yesterday on the American Sci-Fi Classics track? No, oh, I okay. So I, <laughs> we were talking about time travel. Yeah. And uh, I did the whole thing in character as Dr. Doom because I've got the mask and the cowl and everything. So I did the whole nice. thing. Nice. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, it makes like, sense. There's some nice know. synergy there. You know, Dr. Doom's got his time machine. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, were you coming back like from the future to tell us how terrible or how great the future is? No, be, but I did what? declare that 2021 was the year of Doom. So, you know. Oh, okay. Well, there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something because 2020 you think would have been the year of doom you know? <laughs> it's all about masks you know? that's social distancing yes, yes I mean, that's a good point yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, yeah no I just wanted to do that one time because I was like I have this doom mask that was made by like a real blacksmith company it's actually forged nice. metal doom mask and Beth made me the the co- you know the cowl and everything so yeah. I was like oh yeah I'll it's do this type of mask where you can only wear it for so long because it literally gets heavy right <laughs> yes 
Yeah. So anyway, yeah, no, but yeah, Ryan, it's good to have you on. Thank you for being, you know, a part of the 42 cast, you know, so much of a part of the 42 cast. I'll see you in episode 200. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I've got thoughts. They're probably insane, crazy thoughts, but I've got some thoughts about the future and about how we're going to change things up a little bit, you know, moving forward. You have to do that. You can't, you have you always have to be willing to change, right? You right. know, I mean, yeah, try new things. And maybe the maybe some of them will work, maybe some of them won't. But you never know till you try, you know? Nope. As always, the issue is I need a bunch of people to work as editors. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I need my little sweatshop. Is, you know, it's it's, it's it's either you've got the time but you don't have the money, or you have the money but you don't have the time, you know. Right. Um or or in some cases, you don't have the time or the money. Right, I don't have the time or the money, but I'm going to dream big. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean that I need money? Money? <laughs> I just want to declare that I want something and I want it to happen. Yeah. Don't worry, like the international revenue checks for the podcast are going to be coming in any minute now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if only, if only. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but all right. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, this took so long. I know we. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Not a problem. Good, good, good. I mean, this is this is like honestly, I can think of a lot, lot worse ways to begin twenty twenty one than this. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's more of this type of stuff to come this year, then it's going to be a good year. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no, I'll agree with that. Although I was uh, somewhat chagrined uh, to to wake up this morning and the first thing I see on Facebook is that an actor from old school Doctor Who died, and I was like, oh, oh that's great. You know, yeah, first well, news of 2021 is you know somebody died. Very nice. Well, uh, what, what was it yesterday or two days ago? Marianne died. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was 2020, yeah. giving us its parting shot. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> up until like the last, up until the until, until the stroke of midnight last night, I was waiting for one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> Gravity <laughs> shuts off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't this just? <laughs> <laughs> yep that's that's about normal you know? <laughs> right. it's y2k but it's just delayed by 21 years or whatever, yeah somebody you know? was somebody was posting like the like like the odds of like the different things that'll happen before the end of 2020 like one was like the yeah. duck uprising yeah it was like gravity just shuts off just, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right well ryan again well, thank you for being on this episode thank you for doing uh you know the show and everything and I've had hopefully we'll have you on you know for another you know 50 out yeah. of the next 100 episodes oh yeah i mean and 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 for what oh oh, oh okay i gotta say one more thing okay. sorry 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 so yesterday or yeah yesterday or the, or the day before i don't know i'm like i'm in season two of travelers uh-huh. and i was just i was just watched the the pandemic episode oh or whatever. yeah 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 I was like, ah that's uh, is like and they get the vaccine out and like or, or or the cure out the antivirals out in like three days i was like ah oh, that's so cute that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, they were using future technology though so i mean, <laughs> well, I mean yeah but they had to use current technology to distribute it and everything well, that's but, true yeah. that's but, true but, oh but, you but, meant the distribution I, okay 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 not yeah, the development yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no no no. The development made sense but the distribution <laughs> right yeah no i went because i saw that like this summer and i was like oh my god you know like, <laughs> i'm feeling this you know yeah, this is this exactly. is prescient you know that they came out with this a few years back but you were right. It's a pretty good series. I, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to wait till it's all done before I comment it, to it. But so far, 
I think the time travel is pretty pretty spot on. I, I like. Oh no! I mean, that's the thing, and I've never seen a show that does it quite like that. And so I was really yeah. impressed with it. Where it's like a moving target, mm. kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yep. Well, we'll see where it goes. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Ryan, um, take care, and uh, yeah, I'll um, I'll see you on the next episode. Sounds good. And with me right now is Rachel, who you may remember from the very first episode and who has been with us several times sporadically throughout the 100 (laughs) episodes of the show. And so, Rachel, welcome back to the 42 cast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, um... It's been a few months, you know, since we've talked. Of course, the release schedule never matches the recording schedule, blah, blah, blah. But it's been a few months since you were on the show. So how are you doing? You know, hanging in there as much as the next person is, I suppose. Um, I can't really complain because I've been doing okay and remaining employed and Mm. all of that good stuff. So knock on wood, it's been going pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as my situation. I never thought that I would actually look forward to going back into the office at work, but I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, you know, even though there are things I don't like about going into the office at work, I think I would be okay, you know, (laughs) know, going in. I think it would be different if I, like, because I live with roommates and I've got the largest bedroom, so I've got my desk in here in my bedroom, and so... I work in my bedroom. So it's like I sleep and work here. And so it's like I'm just always at work. So if I at least had like a separate office that I could go to, Mm -hmm. I think it would be a little less annoying. But yeah, I'm just like, man, I can't wait to get back to the office. (laughs) Yeah, for me, my room, it's right next to my bedroom. (laughs) So, I mean, I do actually leave my room and go to another room. But yeah, it's... It's still like, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I just want some variety and to interact with other people a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. It's not the same if you are sending emails, predominantly if I'm talking to somebody, except we do have like a weekly meeting. Like if I'm talking to somebody at work, it's through emails, not even phone Mm -hmm. calls or anything else. Well, yeah, you miss those like spontaneous encounters where like, I mean, I work for a relatively small company, but it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I, you know, pass coworker number three on my way to the kitchen to grab a snack. And like, oh, hey, what are you up to? How's it going? Da, da, da. And it's just mm-hmm. like when you're remote, you have to like actually think, like put effort into trying to interact with people mm-hmm. that way. It's just like it, you have to try so much harder. And most of the time you're just so busy. Like, well, for me, I'm just so busy where I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Right. No, I, I'm totally there with you. And so, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of advantages for me having the kids. It is actually somewhat advantageous to not have a commute time and to be here because the school, like the elementary school is like a mile down the road. And so that allows Beth to work more hours, you know, like to have, you know, because before it was like she could only work until the kids get out of school. And then that was it. That's a hard stop. You know, she had to tell her employer, Mm. you can't schedule me for any times after that. And so with me home now, I can pick up the kids. I can do all that kind of stuff. And so that frees her up to be able to tell her employer like, oh, no, you can schedule me for a wider range of hours and stuff like that. So it's been convenient that way. And then, yeah, with both of us available, 
because it's a lot easier for me to take the kids somewhere if they have to go somewhere too and stuff like that so there's a lot of advantages to it it's just like at this point especially since i don't have to take advantage of that all the time it's kind of like yeah i wouldn't mind going to the office But anyway, yeah, let's let's not talk so much about work and COVID because yeah. you know that's what, not what the hell am I doing? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been four years. Can you believe it? Has it really been that long? It's been four years. It was it was twenty sixteen, like and towards the end of the year. I don't remember exactly what month, but when we first recorded that, I didn't put out the first episode until January of twenty seventeen, but it was twenty sixteen, like September, yeah. October ish, I think. Yeah, when we recorded it. Yeah. So it's been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that was one of those things when I was looking back, I was like, 100 episodes. Wow. And so I was looking back and I was like, oh my God, it's been four years. Bravo. That's pretty darn impressive. Like, I I can still remember when you first started out and it's just like, wow, you've already made it to 100. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited because, you know, it's like, it's a milestone, you know, and kind of, you know, pass through that milestone and then think about, okay, what are we going to do for the next 100? And then I'm thinking of it in terms of, I've got a next 100. Wow, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, like, there's so much that changed over four years, and it's kind of weird just thinking about everything that changes and and, and just like in both the news and in pop culture and also Mm -hmm. in our own lives and things of that nature i've actually had my daughter rachel on an episode it hasn't aired yet but it's one that we recorded which one was she on the avatar the last airbender oh good yeah that's so exciting that she joined in right yeah she wanted to talk about avatar she is well she'll be 14 in february already wow so yeah i mean you know so stuff like that's changing and my kids are getting older and i'm getting oh my god i'm getting rachel i'm 40 i'm i'm 37 i know (laughs) i know you are i'm gonna be 38 in april (laughs) but i'm 40 so see you're fine you're still in your 30s right you still got your whole life ahead of you <laughs> it's all over for me. <laughs> it's just, just, just stop. You're done. <laughs> That's what happens. You turn forty, and it's over. We'll just put you out to pasture. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of shit because I've always downplayed, you know, because I've mostly been. I mean, I don't want to say that because I, I, do, I do have friends who are older, but it seems like I've always tended to have younger people around me. And so it just feels weird because it feels like I'm 40. And, you know, I used to like, like Beth, Beth would say things like, oh, like, you know, you're 27. That just sounds so much bigger than 26 and stuff like that. And just kind of laughed it off. But now that I'm at 40 and she's 35, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, you know, like this is... <laughs> But anyway, that's not what I want to talk about either. I just get on this tangent of age. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It, it happens in our old age. That's, you that's, know, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs>
So, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit offline, uh, you know, we were chatting on the messenger and you were saying like, you've pretty much distanced yourself from pop culture ever since COVID started because of the whole thing of being stuck in your room, right? Yeah, I just don't, like, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it's kind of like, when I stop and think about it, I was just like, what, could this technically be? interpreted as a depression symptom like Mm. loss of interest in things i previously liked and i don't necessarily think so like i've just been reading a lot of books Mm. and like i mentioned to you since i'm on my command center of screens all day every day for work just when i'm done like i don't want it like i just want to unplug i do Mm -hmm. i say that but i have been playing a mobile game called fate grand order (laughs) for any of the anime nerds out there it's really it's really fun and it's pretty much the only game I've been touching this entire time. Mm. So I have been playing that at least, but aside from that like I just kind of like cuz I I was, you know, I am prone to self-analysis. Mm-hmm. And so I I was thinking about that. I was just like, you know, like it's not just video games or shows or movies. I'm also tend to my pattern has always been that I read a ton of fiction, Mm -hmm. but this year I've just switched like almost exclusively to nonfiction. And I was just like, why is that? What? Then I think, I think part of it is is that like anything involving drama, just, I'm just (laughs) like, my heart rate is up all the time anyway, because of the real life drama going in the world that I just like (laughs) want something nice and like flatline (laughs) what I'm reading. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like real life is now crazier than fiction. So why not read like some nonfiction because it reminds me of how the world should be. <laughs> right. It's just like, this is a nice nonfiction book where like, I've been reading a lot of books on like artists and just like mm. creativity as a concept in general. And so I'm just like, let me just read about these people who are nice and positive and make pretty things. And that will make me happy. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you've you've done a little bit of artistic expression uh, also, Yeah, right? so like I, I don't know what, I, I think it was mainly because I came across a couple of artists who were doing certain things that I was just like, that looks really cool, I want to give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I picked up embroidery and like, it's definitely, I'm drawn to more of the more like contemporary, like modern takes on embroidery as opposed to the really traditional, mm-hmm. somewhat stuffy stuff, so... But it's been really fun and it's like kind of it's like very meditative like once you get into it and once I got good enough with it that I wasn't poking myself in the finger every five Mm. minutes it hurts. I've done it way more times than I care to count but I've gotten to the point where I don't do that as much as I do so like you can kind of get into this really like meditative rhythm with it Mm. Um, and it's very calming and then you know you have a pretty thing at the end so it's pretty cool and then (laughs) I've been playing around with like watercolor Mm. and what the heck else I don't even know a bunch of (laughs) (laughs) well that's good though because I mean you're using the time to like just try out some new things yeah express yourself and yeah no that's really cool how is um you know, because I'm, I'm going to express my ignorance here. So, like, Beth has periodically done cross-stitching. Mm-hmm. And h- how is that compared to embroidery? Like, what does embroidery entail? Or is that just that's on a different medium? Or yeah, is so it... they're, they're very similar. And cross-stitchers out there, I apologize if I'm going to get this wrong because I don't actually do any cross-stitching. Sure. But from what I've seen, like, cross-stitching takes place on more of a grid so it's like this kind of like mesh grid thing and so it's very like 
there are specific places where you will place the thread that you're working with. It's all mm-hmm. within the, these predetermined spaces. Embroidery, you're working with, you're doing it on actual fabric. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things that you can embroider on. I've seen, I, I found an artist who embroiders on metal, if you can believe it. So she like drills holes. Well, I guess then it could kind of be seen as like cross-stitching on metal. So now you can see that there's like a lot of like, well, yeah, because I mean, I, I kind of have an idea of what embroidery is because you're like sort of sewing over an existing piece of fabric with some design or something mm-hmm. like that. But then I was like, but that's like what cross-stitching is. So I'm like, wait a minute, what is the difference between you know, embroidery yeah, so and cross-stitching? Yeah, Embroidery like seems to me, uh-huh. in my limited knowledge of in terms of comparing it to cross-stitch, embroidery seems to me a lot more freeform. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be obviously you can work with patterns and things like that and you can be like more rigid with it but you know cross stitch has that established grid that you're working with whereas embroidery is just you can just kind of put a stitch in wherever you want and go with it sure okay yeah beth once made me for an anniversary present are you familiar with the game dragon warrior for for the uh, nes i think i've heard of it before but i'm not it's an early rpg basically and she took all of the sprites for the various monsters in that game and did like this big cross stitch. I mean, it's oh, like that's awesome. it's super wide and she created this whole thing of all the all the monsters. It was great. <laughs> that's awesome. I briefly considered trying like my nephew is eight and he's been getting into Pokemon and Minecraft and things like that. And so I did consider making him like a Pokemon embroidery or something like that. And then I was just like, he has so much Pokemon stuff. I don't need to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. God, God, that's like Amelia. Amelia is huge. into Pokemon. I mean, Rachel was for a while, but Rachel gets into this thing where it's like everything, like she'll be into something for like a year or two. And then it's just like, she's too cool for that anymore. So <laughs> she's already well into her teens, even though she's only 13 right now. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's like she was like the walking Pokédex for a while. And no. and they she even used to do this thing where it was just like she would like simulate the battles in her mind and would ask you for like what you're going to do with your Pokémon. And I'm like, I don't even know anything about these Pokémon. She would want me to tell like what attack would I use. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I played along with that for a while. Or she would do the I'm going to give you a name of a Pokémon and you tell me what type it is. <laughs> it's just like ah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it was obvious, but, you know, not always. And sometimes it depends on, you know, like, I hear it one way, but since I don't see it spelled, I think it sounds differently than what it is, and I would have gotten it if I'd seen the spelling. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it's one pun, but it's really a different pun, because, you know, a lot of the names are puns on some Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. uh... (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you, you mentioned you're reading about, like, art history and stuff, or artists. Anything besides art, or is it pretty much focused on art? Now I'm like, what the hell have I even read this year? (laughs) I can bring up my Goodreads and consult that. Let's see. Because now I'm I'm curious, because it's like, unfortunately, a lot of times when I'm reading, it's just like, okay, I've read that book. We're done. On to Mm. the next thing. And then it's just like, what? What did I do? So those books must be really great if you do like, I don't remember anything. Well, I think it's been worse than usual this year just because it's this year. <laughs> right, right. Let's see. So at the beginning of the year, I read a couple of horror anthologies. Mm. 
I read a book about beginner kayaking so that I could start doing it without getting myself killed. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I read a book on stoic philosophy. Oh, okay. We're getting really <laughs> deep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much like just some horror anthologies, art and creativity as concepts, a couple of philosophy books. And then once the pandemic started, the one and only fiction book I read was called Middle Game by Sean and McGuire. And I actually really went nuts for that. That was really, really good. Oh, what's that? What's that about? Okay, so there's these two twins who are basically like genetically engineered. Like it's it's this really cool, like kind of alternate reality setup where like there's this huge organization of alchemists and they're constantly trying to like distill this overarching concept of the universe to harness its power and basically rule reality. And mm. so they like embody it within these like genetically engineered sets of twins because initially they decided they tried out like embodying it in just one person but it was too much for one person to handle so then they split it into twins and so like the one twin is like really really skilled with words and language and everything like that and the other one is a math whiz and so together they like and so basically like it's them like they're kind of they're raised apart mm -hmm. and it's about them like finding each other and like figuring out like what their powers are and then also trying to get past the people who are trying to use them and it's the, my favorite part it incorporates time loops because time loops are super fun <laughs> so yeah it was just kind of this like kind of bonkers dark fantasy sci-fi with a pinch of horror thrown in it was very good i liked it a lot oh good yeah yeah well, and it sounds like your your general nonfiction reading is pretty pretty varied. So you know that's pretty interesting. A lot yeah. of mine, because but but then again, I'm not reading a lot of nonfiction right on top of each other. A lot of mine ends up like dividing into video game history and Doctor Who huh. <laughs> nice. nonfiction about the show itself. So uh, <laughs> you know, analyses and history of and making of and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I should probably branch out more, but that's what I like to read. I've always had the problem, like, I've always kind of referred to it as shiny object syndrome, mm. but like, I'm always just like, oh, that looks really cool. Oh, I want to learn about that. Oh, what about that? And so I have very, very wide and varied interests, which can be, which are cool, is cool sometimes, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, that might be stretching myself a little too thin. Sure. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I've read other, I mean, that's not the only non, I'm just talking about right now in general, like my nonfiction reading breaks out that way. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I read a book on how to be a villain that, you know, a certain uh -huh. someone may have given me, you know, a few years back. Well, uh, you <laughs> had some really good taste. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone with incredibly good taste. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, just taking a look back. And this, I mean, I get that this is like a really broad and kind of crazy question, but this is something I've been asking everybody that I've been talking to. In the last four years, what do you think has been the best thing pop culturally that you think has come out? Oh my God, the best one thing in pop culture yeah. in the past four years. Um, uh, <laughs> you okay. Your time. Uh, let's see. Oh, actually, no, I've got it. I've got it now. Okay. So I'm sure it's trendy for this to be happening right now, given that it just released a streaming 
But the last thing I watched that like made me like flip out so much over how good it was was Hamilton. Oh, okay. On Disney Plus, and like you know, like I uh, of course it's been like a long time since it first debuted, like mm-hmm. in on Broadway and everything like that. But you know, I am not a rich person, so <laughs> I just have like. Thousands you mean you're of not dollars. gonna like go to New York and and take in a show? <laughs> like you can't just like oh I'll just make a day of it, you know. Oh yeah, what? I mean, shoot. Given like I live close enough that I could do that, right? But I don't have like two grand to drop on tickets. So, and a lot of people like they release the soundtrack, so a lot of people listen to it. But I really have a thing with musicals and movie scores and things like that. Is I like to have the first time I hear the music be in the context of the movie because I feel like it's just so much better that way. Like so, you sure. can see have the two things go together so that when you're listening to the music later you have that emotional connection with it with what was happening mm-hmm. so i like never listened to the soundtrack or anything like that and it's been years and everyone's been raving about hamilton and i'm just like i'm going to stand my crown and i'm gonna wait and so they finally released it to streaming over the summer and i was at my sister's house cat sitting for her while they took a small vacation in the outer banks And so I watched it downstairs on their gigantic 4K TV, (laughs) and I had two kittens snuggling on my lap, acting as little space heaters. Mm -hmm. And I just sat down there watching Hamilton, and like halfway through the second act, I started crying and didn't stop until the very end of it. And then afterwards, I was just like obsessed. I was just like, oh, my God, there's just like the level of detail put into this and like the way the music is structured and blah, 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 blah. And like certain songs I just like flipped out over. So like, yeah, that's probably one of the ones that had the biggest emotional impact for me because it was just I don't know if you ever have these moments where like you see or hear or read any type of media and you just like it just gets your blood pumping and you're like Mm. oh my god i would love to make something this amazing someday Mm -hmm. obviously i'm never going to write a musical because i don't have any kind of training in music (laughs) i mean i've taken music classes there's just no way i'm going to be able to write yeah no i'm in the same boat i mean yeah i I can read music but yeah i'm not gonna write a musical but yeah so it's like after i watched it i was just like pumped for like a couple of days and just i kept on like saying to everyone i'm like i just want to talk about how good it was because i can't handle how good it was (laughs) so yeah i think that's kind of what i set the bar to is those things that just really like get me emotionally and like really like pull me in and not saying that there aren't any flaws with it because i don't believe in perfect execution of anything but my scoring system is based on does my overall enjoyment of the item at hand outweigh any of the flaws that i saw and Mm. for hamilton it was a resounding yes and i'm just like people can be like oh well this part wasn't right i'm just like yeah whatever i don't care it's (laughs) wonderful (laughs) no that's great yeah and that's one that actually i haven't heard anyone say yet and so it's kind of uh yeah, yeah yeah but yeah it's definitely something that has been a big deal you know and a lot of people have talked about just generally in culture so no that's a good one So yes, this is 42 cast, 100 episodes, while Hamilton has been part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What did other people say? Well, the ones I remember off the top of my head are Marvel, Star Mm -hmm. Wars, Star Trek. Because, you know, Star Wars has gone through a renaissance, Star Trek has gone through a renaissance. 
Marvel's been killing it for 10 years or so, but specifically Endgame was what people were talking about yeah. as far as the idea of bringing together so many movies and having it come together in one movie is such a new thing and it's an exciting thing. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think it's like, because, it, and like, even though that's not like the thing I picked and, uh-huh. you know, I like, I, I like it, but it's not that thing for me. Mm-hmm. But it's really amazing to think about, like, it was the culmination of, like, what, like, over 10 years of films? Yeah. It's crazy how, like, they actually managed to pull it off and make something, well, not perfect, but something that was really good and that people really, really enjoyed. And it's just, like, they, like, bringing all of these disparate storylines together and things like that, like, it's monumental. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And I mean, it's something that they tried not knowing if they were going to be able to succeed in it and it paid off. And so it's great to see that kind of risk for the reward of being able to tell a bigger story than you normally get in movies. Because that's the thing. I mean, that's always been the dichotomy. You get TV shows for long form storytelling, but then movies have to be finite, right? You know, like mm. you make your two hour movie and your story has got to be contained within those bounds. Because as we've seen, even if you set out to make so many movies, some franchises can pull that off, but then other ones like Divergent is an example of one that they didn't finish their story. They were going to tell, you know, if they were going to do four movies and they only did three and that fourth movie is never going to be shown. I didn't even know that they had managed to make two and three. (laughs) Yeah, no, they made two and three. (laughs) So yeah, that was the thing. They did the thing that was so popular lately to split the last book into two movies but Mm -hmm. they're never going to make that part two. (laughs) So it's like, you idiots, you should have just made three. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hindsight's 2020 on that. But that's the thing. So it's like, you know, people have been like, oh, well, you know, Hollywood, they should go in expecting to do more stories. It's like, but yeah, but you can't guarantee that. You can't guarantee you're going to get the ratings to justify all the movies. So that's why a lot of times Hollywood has pulled, but you know, historically hollywood has only thought one movie at a time and it's only the really big ones where they've even tried to do okay we're gonna do a trilogy we're gonna go in with the mindset of a trilogy and then marvel comes in like trilogy <laughs> 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 we're gonna have 20 movies and then they're all gonna come together in this one and they're they're not even gonna be like a series it's gonna be like 20 movies most of which happening in parallel and then they all come together in this movie and so that the ambition of that is really awesome I, I agree with you. I don't think Endgame's perfect, but certainly an enjoyable movie. And yeah, it, definitely. Uh, certainly trying to combine serialized storytelling with movies has allowed them to tell better stories, I think, overall and more consistently than when every movie is just kind of like a one-off. Yeah. Well, the, the only thing that annoys me about it now is because now everyone else is like, oh my God, we need a cinematic universe. Right. And I'm just like, you guys are killing me. I need you to stop. Like, they were trying to turn the Universal Monsters into a cinematic uh-huh. universe. And I'm like, guys, no. Why are you doing this? I made a joke the other day about creating, like, the slacker cinematic universe. And having like, Wayne's World and Bill and Ted. And, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, putting together as many of these movies about, like, you know, guys that are just, like, sitting around not getting much done. You know? <laughs> so. But yeah, I always, in my mind, Bill and Ted and Wayne's World always like kind of like dovetail together anyway, because there's so many similarities. (laughs) But but anyway, that's all I really wanted to talk about today. Like I said, I wanted to keep this fairly short. We actually talked longer because it's you and me. 
And we'll always talk and talk and talk if you get us the breaks. It's just how it goes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but Rachel, seriously though, it has been great having you on the show. It's been great reconnecting with you just in general because yeah. there was a period there where we didn't talk for you know several years. But it's been great having you on the show, and I'm so glad that you were on that first episode, kind of helping me get comfortable with doing this. Having somebody that I've known for a long time was kind of key to that. Good. I'm glad that I could be a part of it. And I kind of view myself as that guest character that doesn't show off super often, <laughs> show up super often in a series. But when they do show up, everyone's just like, oh my God, it's them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. Now I'm trying to the problem is I know I've I know dozens, hundreds of characters like that, and I can't think of one off the top of my right? head. I'm right trying now. to think of like what because I, I always love that character so much. So now I'm just trying to be like, wait, what are they though? I could I could give myself that title, but I can't think of it. <laughs> like as soon as you put it put it on the spot, it's just kind of like, oh crap, I blanked. Well, in my opinion, it's what they should have done with the Punisher in the Netflix Marvel uh, mm. shows. I don't think the Punisher should have had his own series. I thought he was far more effective being this character that comes in and out and plays as a foil for Matt Murdock and all of that. And then I tried with his series and I was just like, no, sorry. And I, <laughs> okay. no. Yeah, no, a lot of people didn't really care for it. Now I'm imagining the Punisher is this guy like Luke Cage is fighting someone and then just like, you know, bang off the edge of the screen. The guy just falls down. Luke looks around and the Punisher's there and then Luke's just like, oh, Frank, you know, and then they both laugh. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he's always doing that. You know? Oh, you. <laughs> the comedy relief guy that comes in every once in a while. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's what you meant, but that's what I'm going to imagine now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I de- meant to say that I'm way cooler than I actually am. But fortunately, since I'm not on that much, people don't get a chance to figure that out. So it's all good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're cool in my book, Rachel. No, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I had, there's a, a co-worker I have and this, of course, would have been like earlier this year or last year because it's in the office pre-covid uh-huh. but like you know he's right out of college and he got hired and he, so he's got to be like maybe like 22 23 tops uh-huh. and i was talking to this other person there and i was just like i sent you a friend request on facebook and you haven't accepted it and i guess that means that you don't like me <laughs> and she's just like oh i'm not really on facebook that much but i will go and look and <laughs> accept your friend request and so then the guy, Matt, is just like, oh, yeah, I'm not on Facebook. I only use Snapchat. And I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so just like it wasn't trying to be a jerk, but it's just like so dismissive. Like, you know, Facebook is for old people. Yeah. Well, God, oh, it's like God. I've just gotten on Instagram and it's because there are people who are on it. So, it's, you know, this is me trying to put the podcast out there more and mm-hmm. you know i know of other podcasts that are on instagram so i'm like god i better be on instagram too but it's so like i, I look at instagram and it's like we're getting more vacuous as a society because it's like you know i remember live journal where it's like 
you know, yeah, you could just put nonsense on LiveJournal, but most people who were using LiveJournal were really trying to write about their lives, you know, talk about something that's been bothering you or something that you really want to share with people because you really enjoy it. Nice, small, little essay kind of things. A lot of deep thoughts. Now we're, you know, then we got Facebook. Okay, Facebook. Oh, it's nice because it's a little more interactive, you know, whatever. Then there's Twitter. It's like, okay, everything's got to be short and pithy. You know, like, this is this is where we are now. And now it's like, no, reading's too hard. Let's do pictures. So my perspective, and I think Instagram, <laughs> it entirely depends on who you're following. Uh, I personally love Instagram because I use it to follow all the artists I'm interested in. Mm, well, and yeah, since that's a visual medium, then exactly. yes. I mean, that, that's like, actually perfect. If it's higher quality content than your typical account that's just like posting memes. Mm. But yeah, like I like being able to see all of this amazing work that people are doing and things like that. And when I first started, like, with Instagram, I can kind of think of it as like kind of just like a photo documentation of like my day to day life. Like I saw mm -hmm. this pretty thing today and it made me happy. So I kind of like that aspect as opposed to Facebook sometimes because like Facebook, like people just like drama, 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 drama. <laughs> and I'm just like, I do not care. Um, so I just get on Instagram and I'm like pretty pictures. Yay. <laughs> Fair. That's fair. I, I can see it. It's just a lot of people, it's like all they're posting is like, this is my dog. This is my house. <laughs> this is whatever. And it's like, that's fine and all, but it's like day after day. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a platform that lends itself to a lot of discourse or commentary. Right. I think it's just the important to like set expectations that way. Cause I personally think Instagram is best for following people who do visual media and mm -hmm. things like that as opposed to just i don't know here's my dog which hey don't get me wrong i like seeing cute uh, dog pics but right right well that's the thing but you can do that on facebook too so yeah. i mean it's like that's not different from that it's just and then there's more ability to write something with the picture also and because yeah. they also limit you on characters when instagram also as far as how much you can type oh i guess i've never attempted to right enough that i tripped it <laughs> yeah i only know that because of my podcast stuff because it's like i just tried to copy and paste like from like my actual podcast posts and it was like oh no that's too much and it's like oh man yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so it wasn't just like me posting a picture of my own and just like being like oh look at the you know because most people only write one or two sentences with their pictures anyway, so it's not, yeah. you know, that big of a deal. But yeah, no, there is a character limit. I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's more than Twitter, but yeah. it's... Uh, Twitter <laughs> but did eventually increase their character limit, so you yes. might find longer posts. That being said, I completely avoid Twitter because it's a toxic cesspool and I can't right. stand it. <laughs> But even then, like, okay, they increased it. They increased it from, like, what, like, 125 to 250 or something like that? And it's like, that's still not enough. It's better, but it's still not enough to write anything of any substance. I, I still don't really like Twitter all that much. I attempted to use Snapchat for a brief period of time, and I was just like, this is stupid. Why do people <laughs> use this? And, like, it might have lasted a week, and then I was just like, no thanks i'm just gonna accept that i'm an old and i don't get it <laughs> right well that's the thing i mean that's that's my th I, I, I guess i'm just old because everybody else likes these other things but i, I like you heard me i still wish for the days of live journal you know <laughs> like and i know that that's dead 
but <laughs> you know I enjoyed Live Journal. I enjoyed writing on Live Journal and having like decent conversations with people on Live Journal. And I try to do that with Facebook and sometimes it's happened with Facebook, but in general, Facebook, people don't even want to respond that much. And it's just kind of like, I'll put stuff out there and I won't get a lot of it. Oh, and my favorite on Facebook, when I'm asking for advice and I ask a question and people respond with something that wasn't an answer to the question that like, (laughs) oh, it just burns me. I'm like, read the question. Like if I give you two options, should I do X or Y? Do not respond with Z. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want you to say, I think you should do one or the other. Not like, I think you should do this because there's a reason why I limited it to one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Sometimes I think people do it on purpose, but other times I'm just like, can you just not read? I mean, is that the, (laughs) is that the issue? (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, no, Rachel, (laughs) (laughs) we'll just continue to digress. It's so good to have you on the show. And I'm always glad when we find that one topic every year that you're going to participate in. I'm (laughs) I'm so excited that I finally got to be on the Gargoyles episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we have got to do this. Well, well, the thing was, I wanted to wait until it was fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so when I got my Rachel to watch it, I was like, okay, this is perfect because I'll watch it with her. And then it will be fresh in my mind. Then we can. When you gave me the heads up, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm sharing Disney Plus with a friend, so I'm going to jump <laughs> on and rewatch. And I was, it was just so nice to rewatch it. I was just like, oh, this is still just such a good show. Uh huh. No, I, I, yeah, it's it's one of the few that I can still watch and be like, wow, this is still just as good as when I used to watch it. And not a lot of the cartoons that I watched as a kid have lasted like that, <laughs> you know? uh, especially some of the ones I watched in the '80s. Like I, I used to be like, oh man, Thundercats, Silverhawks, you know, all these shows. I go back and watch them. I'm like, oh, that really wasn't that good. <laughs> that dialogue is atrocious. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Still some neat ideas, you know. Still some good animation, you know, and everything. It's just like, oh, the writing was just not. It's not good. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I wasn't always such a discerning child was i (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's good i mean we really did grow up though in a period where animation was going through a renaissance and i've interviewed a few people for the show that were involved in animation back then and i think the thing was we were finally starting to get people who had been fans of comics and cartoons when they were kids working in the animation industry Uh and i think that's the thing that started turning the tide is because they were like hey we can create stories that are still good for all audiences but that are still good stories Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that i talked to michael and mark edens who are two brothers who uh wrote for a lot of different shows but x-men and Exo Squad were, were two of the big ones that they wrote a lot of the episodes for. And we talked about that. And they talked about that. Yeah, like, you know, like a lot of these production companies, they were just like, it's for kids. Who cares? <laughs> just write some schlock. And that's, you know, th- there was no quality control. There was no like, you know, like, oh, let's make sure that we crank out the best script that we can, you know. No, there was none of that. It was like you had to be self-directed. Right. 
And that's why it's good when we have people who are actually fans of the medium actually mm-hmm. writing for it because then they want to do a good story. Right. Well, and so it's a, it's kind of the flip side to that coin is like, okay, well, you know, the higher ups are like dismissive of it. But at the same time, that meant that they had less scrutiny on them. So the people mm-hmm. who wanted to do good work could jump in there and just be like, okay, yeah, well, we're going to make this the way we want it and we're going to make it really good. And mm-hmm. they're just kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's and with X Men, it actually like was almost like a perfect storm because then also at different levels, they also had people who were you know either fans of comic books or fans of animation and stuff like that. So that was actually like a perfect storm of just the right people coming together, so that even the higher ups were interested in telling good stories. But just in general, though, a lot of the stuff that they worked on before that, they were like, yeah, I mean, they they didn't care. They basically felt like kids are too dumb to know if it's a good story or not, which I remember being a kid and knowing what was a good story and what was a dumb story. I mean, my opinions changed a little bit as I've gotten older and more stuff has fallen into the one pile, but it's not like I watched every cartoon and was equally amused by it, you know? (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, when we, we, we grew up in a good time for that. And so I'm, I'm happy to talk about that stuff now on the 42 cast but also to interview like the people that like were working on that stuff because it was kind of amazing to be there when x-men extra squad gargoyles those are the those are the three i say that all the time those are the three big ones because those are the ones that really push the bounds of scripts i mean a lot of people bring up batman batman from stylistic artistic perspective it mm-hmm. pushed some bounds too but from a script perspective it was still very much like standalone storytelling yeah it was monster of the week and like and that being said like i beat has is still like my definitive batman version mm-hmm. and you know it was so well done but yeah it's not like they ha- it had overarching story arcs or anything like that like they might have had like a couple of multi-parters but that was it right and and you know and, and i love batman don't get me wrong but i don't think that it's the same it's not the same as what i'm talking about when i talk about x-men x squad and gargoyles because yeah. those are three shows that really pushed what they could do from a storytelling standpoint rather than an artistic and stylish standpoint which batman yes batman was beautifully animated and the x-men people even talk about that you know there's a book on the making of the x-men that one of the executive producers wrote and he talks about the fact that they would have given anything to have the budget that Warner gave Batman, you know, and that's why, oh. like, you know, you pay attention to the backgrounds in X-Men, you know, it might be a little fuzzy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they couldn't have nice detailed backgrounds like, like Batman did, but then it's like, okay, well, what can we control? We can control the script. And so that was the, you know, that's where they were like, okay, that's where we're going to make our mark is in the story. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how that went. But yeah, no, Rachel, it's been beautiful talking with you. It's been wonderful. You know, it's been fantastic <laughs> having you as part of the cast. <laughs> I'm going to say every, every, every superlative. Thank you. I really enjoy my appearances on the show and appreciate being able to participate. Maybe one of these days I'll start being able to join in more often. But I'm like, I've been kind of like slowly transforming into a hermit. Right. So... You know, I just kind of like pick and choose. And so I will just, you know, be like, hey, Nathan, I'm into this thing. I'm going to join in. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, it's always great when I have you on. So, Rachel, thank you for being part of of this of the show from the beginning. And here's hoping that you will be part of our episodes going on to 200. Definitely. I hope so. Thank you. You're welcome.
Hello, I'm Nathan, and with me as always is Beth. Hi, everybody. <laughs> no reaction to that, huh? No. Okay. Sorry. Alright. <laughs> so, Beth is here to join me. For those who don't know, <laughs> I guess I should start back. <laughs> For those who don't know, Beth is my wife. Yeah, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Back up a bit. You kind of live in the house with me, so... And I barge in randomly and and on certain podcasts. Yeah, you do, but it's not that often. (laughs) But, yeah. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um... I get to hear every podcast before anyone else does. If you want to. Well, I hear it being recorded most of the time. You only hear my side of it. I can fill in the gaps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> or jump to conclusions and then jump oh, in the I'm room. Oh, I'm very good at that. Yeah. And start talking and being like, and I'm like, that's not even what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, we're doing episode 100, and so Beth is here with me right now to... I don't know what you're here to do, actually, but... I begged him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have to beg hard. No, not really. I mean, <sighs> everyone else was... Well, not everyone else, but a fair few people were also doing a sit-down with you, and I was feeling kind of left out, so I want to say some things, too. Yeah. No, that's good. I don't good. know what I'll say, but... That's that's good, because, I mean, <laughs> your, your relationship with the podcast has always been kind of odd, because here I am doing this thing, and I'm recording it and everything, and you're just... Whenever the whim takes you, you're suddenly there, and yes. so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then all the time when I'm like, hey, Beth, do you want to do it? No, no, I'm not really interested in that topic. Okay. But yeah. Where most of it really is, is that, I mean, I like the topic, but I have no idea what I'd sit down and talk about for like an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Whereas I don't know how I can keep it only to an hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> Which is why so many episodes get longer than mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And why when I talked with Rachel and Ryan, there are conversations that were supposed to be 10 minutes became hour and a half conversations. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure whose fault that is, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. ours will you, be short. You can't, you can't blame me because, you know, if I, the other person doesn't talk, I won't just keep going on and on. So it's got to be at least both people's fault. Mm. But anyway, all right, so Beth. Nathan. I guess the question that I'm asking everybody is what is the most, uh, what in your opinion is the most important pop culture development in the four years that the 42 cast has been around? So you've asked me this before we started recording, and I'm very glad you did because I would be wasting a lot of dead air time with my thinking process. That's what Um, ending's for. I know, but you know. That's a lot of. I'm gonna have to cut out everybody else's (laughs) reaction, so you know. I like to be a little prepared Mm. because I'm a little. I'm not very fast on my feet. Um, Mm. I broke my ankle. I mean, hi. Um, (laughs) So my answer has to be um, the Mandalorian, and it's because we're we're watching the behind the scenes right now. And when we were watching season two, you turned to me and said, "Beth." That's basically a holodeck they're in. (laughs) And I was distracted for the next two episodes trying to figure out how. It was mind-blowing. And so watching the extras and them going through the technology and everything behind it, it's it's just incredible. It's so fascinating that they have a whole 
their their stage is a, is like a a cylinder, and all the walls just shows the background, and then the things that are in the foreground that the the, the actors interact with, that's physically there. But just the idea, if if that technology, which of course is cutting edge because it's Lucas, if that gets out to everything else, it's a huge game changer. I mean, we we could be seeing that in Star Trek. We could be seeing that just on regular TV shows, not on Disney Plus or anything crazy like that. But that would be just Mm -hmm. huge. Now, Beth, why don't you tell us about how you feel about the holodeck? Every time you go into a holodeck, you are taking your life into your hands. (laughs) The holodeck always kills somebody. <laughs> Unless it's DS9, so, so, but still. So, so uh, yeah, because I find this fascinating because you're talking about it's basically the holodeck. You're all like upbeat, like this is exciting, like we're we're developing the holodeck for real. And I'm like, but you're the person always screaming about like whenever like there's a holodeck in the episode, you're like yelling at the TV, don't go in it, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, but I mean... In, in this case, it's not Star Trek behind it to, to make it <laughs> a plot point to kill someone. So, I mean, unless there was a tragic story where an actor or a stunt double, like, got mortally wounded on set, mm. then... Then blame that, Beth. Yes, that'll come right back to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay, so yeah, no, I mean, The Mandalorian, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, we're... Oh, so the baby Grogu is so cute. <laughs> it's a robot, Show believe me. The baby. I know, because I, for the longest time, I thought that that must be a CG thing. But mm. no, it's a puppet. All they CG out is little sticks that make the hand move. Mm. And it's so incredibly expressive. They have, I think they said three different people operating Grogu. Also, the ears are just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the art online for him in a Mandalorian outfit? No, I haven't. How have I not seen this? <laughs> My he eyes brings just the over. he brings the Beskar to the armor, and she makes him. <laughs> it's like a little like comic strip looking thing. Oh no! The, are his ears sticking out of the helmet? No, 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 no. no. The, the helmet has ears, so like there's like <gasps> ear helmet. Oh my part. god, that's so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Now how he slides it on. Because it's mostly maybe he's the helmet, like a cat but just the and he's ears. actually fluid. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to like wrap them around his head and then <laughs> pop them into place when the helmet gets on somehow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But uh, yeah, okay, all right. That's not an uncommon choice. <laughs> oh, have other people piped in yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is it about the holodeck bit, or is it just in general? In general, I mean, people have been talking about like sort of like the reemergence of Star Wars as evidenced by the mandalorian and i think someone has mentioned the volume already uh, as part of that but you know it's just like it's pushing forward stuff technically mm-hmm. and stuff like that but yeah no i mean yeah star wars has definitely been kind of a popular choice and, that and that's the thing and that's the thing because i asked this thing about like what's the most important thing in the last four years and like everyone almost has been you know because i've talked to i think you're the ninth person i've talked to and everyone has picked something like from the last year (laughs) and it's like i think people are going by the thing that they remember most clearly like oh yeah this is fairly recent and i really liked it 
Uh, so I go with that rather than like. See, I actually back... went chronologically in my brains. I had to think, okay, what? How old were the kids four years ago? What was going on at that age in their life? Because when you're a parent, you judge everything in your life by mm. how old your kid is, and it's a little bit disturbing to recognize that like out loud. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I went chronologically all the movies, all the shows we'd seen, and I was just like, you know what? Volume is just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't not. Yeah, no. I mean, when 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 Angie told me that when we recorded the Mandalorian episode, I was like, oh my god, because I thought they did like what they had done with the Star Wars movies and actually gone to locations, mm-hmm. you know, probably like in North Africa, like a lot of A New Hope was, you know, filmed yeah. in. And that they had gone there and, and filmed all that stuff. And then to find out that, no, they're in like, you know, I mean, it still looks like a fairly decent sized set, but they're basically in a giant circular set, you know, maybe a hundred feet in diameter or something. There's still a good amount of room, you know, lots of that's room to move around. House. Yeah, but. Like the first floor of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. So there's plenty of room for people to move around and stuff. But then everything you see in the distance. Mm-hmm. Is is I mean even like they're talking about how they fe- they fooled the, the executives from Disney. Yes, there's a fire. No, it's just part of the background. It's okay, guys. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, they they were talking about, <laughs> talking about like like the guys were like really upset because they thought they'd spent all this money building a giant set for one it, episode. Right, right, for one episode, the giant spaceship. When in fact, you know, it was just oh no, it's just <laughs> it's the, it's just the one set, the same set they've been using, and it's just all that stuff you see on inside the spaceship in the distance is all just holograms. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's really interesting. It gets yeah. my brain all flustered thinking of it like a hologram. Yeah. Well, it's not really a hog because it doesn't know. project out, I but know. it's it creates it the illusion like of a dimension that does not exist. Yeah, because when the camera's moving, the the screen moves in relation to which uh, angle the camera's pointing. So mm-hmm. it gives that depth when it's completely flat. It's just a wall. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So is there anything that you want to say, Beth? Historical accuracy is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Unless somebody listens to the show very, oh, no. very carefully, they're not even going to know what you're referencing there. No, I was just saying this Kudos is episode. To those who do. This is episode 100. Is there anything that you want to say? Stick around. It's going to get better. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want from I me? I think I must. Uh, I, I guess she's telling me to apologize to all of you because. <laughs> The show needs to get better, and I, I, I'm I, sorry. I didn't know. Way to read between the lines, huh? <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, just like, <laughs> it's going to get better. Please, just stick around. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, that, that cuts deep, man. <laughs> From my own wife, even. <laughs> Whew. All right. I well, thought you maybe set, you set the bar so high it could only get higher. I thought you might like, you know, and I hate to fish here, but I thought you might like, you know, say something to me about how like, I don't know, congratulations or I'm proud of you for sticking with this that or anything too. like that. I'm just going to keep feeding you <laughs> lines and see, you know, what where we can go with this. <laughs> you're the, I, you're, I do see a lot of commitment from you. So, okay. I mean, your, your little pet projects. I mean, not all of them take off like this one has. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're getting into. I mean, the... you've got a t shirt. 
Yeah. And I wear it to work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. <laughs> she is. That's positive. She's plugging the t-shirts from T Public. Go, go go buy one. Yeah. You can also get all kinds of swag with the 42 cast logo or with our coat of arms. You can get pillows, totes. Um, oh, there he goes. Uh, yeah, coats. Uh, um, you like hoodies. Um, oh, I love hoodies. Yeah. Um, you can get iPhone cases. You need to uh, get me a hoodie now. You've already, you've, you've, uh, I have spoken. You must be Okay, because you have so many. I didn't think you needed a 42 cast hoodie, but. Oh, my decked out one's going to get dirty eventually. <laughs> So yeah, you can get a forty-two cast hoodie. <laughs> yeah, we have long sleeve shirts if you want one for the winter. I don't. I, I just. It's, it's basically T Public is called T Public, but it's got like five million things for every design that they have. So it's not just shirts. It's you know not just wearable stuff. Like I said, they've got you know cell phone cases and pillows and all kinds of crap. Mugs, uh, stickers. Uh, magnets so I mean yeah it's all kinds of stuff what okay he's going on quite a bit (laughs) 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 the funny story about that about the shirt is that I you know I I wore it to work and Mm -hmm. my apron goes over and hides it everything is as far as anyone knows it's just a black shirt well after work one day I went to the bank this is pre-covid obviously and the teller was like is that a podcast I was like, why, yes, fellow citizen, that is a podcast run by my husband. I didn't say it like that, but of course it was just... When was this? I don't recall you ever saying it I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. Maybe you were editing at the time. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I did did tell you. Yes, I plugged your your podcast at the bank. Oh, okay. Do that more. (laughs) Well, I don't want to go in the bank right now. No, 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 no. (laughs) I mean, at work. Just be like, hey... I'm going to show you a little something, something. Okay. That's frowned on at the company. <laughs> yes, just dropping your apron, you know. It's yeah. so risque. All right, but anyway. <laughs> you got nothing to say to me, huh? I just have to feed you lines to give back to me, huh? That's how our relationship works, isn't it? <laughs> oh, You're the man. thinker. Oh, God. And I just nod my head. Oh, okay. and look pretty. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. And give everybody a different impression of me than is real. All right. Very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly caffeinated. Yeah. Yeah. That that's true. That's true. It is actually late at night, and I'm tired, and she's caffeinated. So if that if that explains anything to anyone that's listening to this, this that's where it is. All right, well, uh, Beth, it is great to have you on episode 100. It was, I'm glad that you wanted to be part of episode 100. <laughs> Even if it is for just some gentle ribbing. Yeah. All right. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right, well, and, you know, I mean, I, it's weird because, I mean, signing off with you is kind of awkward because we're going to see each other, like, as soon as I sign off. So it's not like, you know, with everybody else, I'm like, hey, you know, hope to get you back on the show or, you well, know. Well, that's also true in my case. <laughs> um, in that, on that note, <coughs> Sailor Moon. <coughs> <laughs> oh, it turned into a real cough, no, I it, think. No, oh, okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I should do voice acting. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So Beth, it's, it's good to have you on this episode, and uh, you know, hopefully, you'll be back on the show soon. Yeah, 
Keep on trucking. Okay. <laughs> With the episodes, I mean. Right. Right. I'm from the South and it's just... Okay, okay, so I guess, all right, last thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I mean, that sounded like it was almost a sign-off, but do you have anything that you want to plug or anything like that before you go? Just my Etsy, Mrs. Whiskers Studios. Um, I put some listings back up just for giggles. I just finished an Elsa wig, so that listing should be up there. If not, I will fix that in about five minutes. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Just uh, Mrs. Whiskers Studios, which is all was Etsy and Facebook. Okay. And now we have a cat smelling the microphone. Yeah, yeah. If anyone's hearing any weird noises, it's the cat prowling around the microphone. And now we're gonna say bye, Felicia. Our cat's name is Felicia. All right, but yes. So yeah, Beth, it is good to have you on the show. And <laughs> thank you for letting me twist your arm to let me say some things. <laughs> I, I no, don't know. No problem. I I, I, I I have no idea what to say right now. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> right, my. Bye. So that's it for our episode 100 bonus content. I hope that you enjoyed listening to that. Those of you who stuck through to the end, I realize it's nothing of consequence. It's just me kind of shooting the breeze with three people that are, you know, important to me, important to the podcast. So, I mean, it's just there for fun, and I hope that you took it as such, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. You can let me know in all the usual ways. This isn't a formal episode. I don't really feel like we need to go through all that. You know the website's 42cast.com. I've got an Instagram. We've got a Twitter. We've got a Facebook page. You know there's the ESO Patreon if you want to help out. Patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can go there. You can check it out. I also do another podcast called Time Streams. Check that out. Juliet and I go through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We finished up season one recently. The published episodes as of this recording are through the Keys of Marinus. Juliet's actually working on editing the episode for the Aztecs. But basically, it's great if you want to watch through with us. If you've never watched Classic Who before, you can do that. But you don't have to. We actually describe everything that happens or all the important things that happen in the story in our episode reviewing it. So just come for the banner between Juliet and I if you want to. If you find it hard to get through older shows and all that kind of stuff. But definitely check it out. Check out Time Streams. Also something that you can find on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So you you can go all those places to find it. And you can find it in all the same podcasting distribution places that you find the 42 cast, except for SoundCloud. Uh, You can't find it there. So yeah, I mean, that's it. That's the hundredth episode completely finished now. All the bonus materials, all that extra stuff. So just follow us back on the uh, on the normal show, and hopefully we'll be around for 100 more episodes at least, and you'll be around to listen to us. So take care, everybody, and I'll catch you next time. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42cast is a proud member of the ESO Network.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.